You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. What is up, rookies? Welcome to the Upland Rookie Podcast. This is episode seven. And I'm your host, Will Larson. And as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. What is Upland Brits, you may ask? Well, that is my my Instagram page that um, that hosts all my main content. That is really what got me started um, down this road of bird dogs and upland hunting and eventually led into the podcast. So check it out. Just type it into Instagram or Facebook, wherever, um, uh, at upland underscore Brits. Uh, You'll see all my, my content, videos, photos, all that over there at the page. First, a word from our sponsor, Yukonuba Premium Performance Dog Food. The same approach means the same results. That's why Yukonuba reimagined a new kind of canine nutrition over 50 years ago and why they continue to now. The new premium performance lineup harnesses the power of nutritional science to create formulas that hold nothing back. Check them out at yukonubasportingdog.com. Okay, a couple orders of business before we jump into episode seven. Brett writes in a listener question. Brett, thank you so much for taking the time to write in a question. Um, I had a couple in my back pocket. I wasn't crazy about them. And Brett just messaged me um, a question late last night. And I'm recording this the next morning. So thank you. This is a great one. Um, Brett writes, what are you carrying for your dog's first aid in the field and day to day? Well, great question. So I went over to my final rise vest. I took out my dog's first aid kit. I dumped it out on the workbench in front of me. And we're going to go through some of the items that are in the kit, uh, what the kit is, and also just some of my general thoughts on dog first aid. And I'll actually start there. Um, Knock on wood, praise God, I have not had to use a first aid kit uh, on my dog in the field for any reason ever. Um, Again, knock on wood, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but um, this, I'm just going to go through kind of what I picked up. But um, more importantly, if you have experience using a first aid kit, you had an injury in the field, um, something happened with your dog where you had to use your kit, what was helpful, what wasn't helpful, I would love to just hear your experience, hear some of the items that you used or maybe have never used, even though your dog has gotten injured. Um, would love to hear, again, more of your experience if you have had a a trauma or something happen with your dog in the field. So again, this is a pretty basic kit that I have. It is a dead fowl trainer. Um, I got it off of gundogsupply.com. On the the little pouch here, it says first canine aid or first aid canine um, pocket size. It's a pretty small kit. It fits really nice in the back pouch of my final rise vest. I've carried it for three years. Again, like I said, I've never used it. Um, I'll go through some of the basic items that, that came with it, but also a few things that I added. Um, just over the years, talking to vets, um, hearing other people's experience uh, on some different podcasts. Um, so we'll start off with the booklet. I know that's not very exciting, but in this, this pouch, um, there's a little pocket size first aid guide. 
And this actually is pretty dang good. It goes through um, all different like kind of injuries and things and just tells you like symptoms and um, treatment, how to take care of things. So I try to read this once or twice before every season. Pretty good. Um, eye infection, ear infection, um, cut pad, split or torn nail, heat stroke, fractures, um, hypothermia. So it bleeding. So it goes through a couple different scenarios that you could encounter. Just gives you some basic, like, here's what to look for. Um, you know, here's how to quickly address it. So actually pretty helpful. It has some good information. It's pretty small, um, fits in the, in the pouch very nicely. Also, um, okay. So we got surgical sponges that are in the pouch. We have some alcohol swabs, some other swabs, a prep pad. I don't know how to pronounce the first half of that, but some kind of prep pad. Um, it has a pair of uh, like surgical scissors, some more gauze, and some tweezers. That could be good for for pulling out like a thorn or something like that. The uh, the scissors maybe for cutting like a wrap or, or something like that. Um, cut to length. It has some some like ankle wrap. It looks like it's blue like ankle tape or ankle wrap. I don't know. Again, personally, if my dog, say, had like a fracture, something happened in the field, I, I don't know. Again, I want to hear your experience, but I don't know if I would sit there and wrap it up and then have him walk out or something. I would just probably pick the dog up, get him out of the field, get him out of the area, and go to the closest vet. So this could be handy for, for wrapping on gauze. Say you have a, maybe a big wound or something like that, stuff it with gauze, maybe wrap this up. Again, I am not a vet. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just going through my own head. What would I do in those situations if I was out there? Um, the other big factor, um, kind of the main reason I bought this kit is it has a stapler in it. Um, so this would be if your dog had a large gash or a wound that you need, needed to just kind of staple that skin up to buy you some time to get to the vet. Um, there again, I'm going to have a vet on this, this podcast in the future. Um, before this hunting season comes, I will have a vet on. I already have one in mind. He doesn't know he's going to be a guest yet, but I'm brain. He says yes. Um, I actually heard him on one podcast long, long time ago. I think maybe in the first 10 episodes of the Project Upland podcast, you may know, know who he is. But um, anyways, all I have to say, the stapler. Um, that was for me at the time I bought this was a selling point. I, I said, hey, if something really bad happened, I think I would want to staple that dog up real quick and get him to the vet. Again, I'm sorry I'm saying this again, but if you have experience with a stapler even, I would love to hear your experience. Did you use it when your dog was gashed open? Did you not? Um, would love to hear. So it's pretty small. It's, it's actually very small. Um, fits in the pouch really nice. Um, what else is in here? Gloves. I It came with, I think, two pairs of vinyl gloves or latex, whatever they are. Um, I put like three more pairs in. I don't know why. I have like four or five pairs of latex gloves in this little pouch. So I'm going to be probably taking out. Um, I'll just leave maybe maybe two in there. Um, I'll leave the original amount. Things I've added, um, a whistle. I don't know why. I don't use a whistle with my dogs. I just have a whistle in there. It's tied to a Leatherman. Uh, it's like a mini little Leatherman tool. I figured it's good to have an extra knife, an extra pair of tweezers, uh, things like that. I tied a whistle to it maybe as a safety thing. I'm not sure what I was thinking. Um, maybe if I get lost, maybe <laughs> something happens, I can whistle, someone could find my location. Um, another thing I added, um, I heard this, I think it was on a, 
Upchucker podcast with Travis Warren. Um, he might have been interviewing a guest whose dog got caught in a uh, like a, a foot trap, uh, a trap for people are trapping foxes and coyotes, things like that. Um, and so I put a pair a uh, pair of wire cutters in my first aid pouch. Now these wire cutters, um, I. I hear, again, I, I don't have personal experience, but on the, some of these foot traps, you can cut like the main wire and it can help pry that uh, trap open to get your dog's foot out. So as soon as I heard that, I was like, I had an extra pair actually of wire cutters laying in my workbench. And I was like, you know what? With the extra weight, I don't really care. I'm gonna throw them in the pouch and just let them sit there in case I ever need them. Um, again, never have needed them, thankfully, but they are gonna be living in... Um, any of my first aid kits. I'm definitely going to keep a pair of wire cutters. So that's actually it. That's all that's in my first aid kit. Um, I keep a, a personal human first aid kit in my truck at all times, uh, band-aids, things like that. Um, but I won't get into that right now. So um, just to kind of wrap up, that's what I carry. Um, it's a little heavy um, to be carrying around, but again, I think the benefits of having some things just in case something happens um, is is Better be safe than sorry is my mentality. Um, the other thing I cannot emphasize enough is just ask your vet. Ask your vet that you trust, that you go to, hey, what what should I be carrying? What shouldn't I be carrying? Um, just, ask, just ask your vet. Um, I'm not a vet, clearly. I don't have trauma, first aid experience. Um, so there's some things. I've, I've, I write down questions throughout the year. So when I go to different vet appointments, see my vet, I'll, I'll ask him, Hey, like, what about this? Or what about, you know, Benadryl after a rattlesnake bite? Like that's a, a huge topic. I I'm still not even sure on, do you give Benadryl after, sorry, Gage is whining right out the garage door. I don't know if you can hear that or not. Um, you know, Benadryl, things like that, like questions as they come up throughout the year, write them down, ask your vet, consult a professional on what uh, is going to be the best option for you and your dog. So I cannot stress that enough and educate yourself. Um, read the first aid booklet, which with whatever first aid kit you, you buy, don't just take the, the directions or the, the booklet and I don't need that. I know what to do. Take a look at it, read it. Um, again, there's some of these these wipes in here that I don't even know how to pronounce them. And I'm like, what the heck would you use these for? Well, it's going to be in the booklet. I need to clearly read over it again. So cannot stress that enough. Well, Brett, thank you. Thank you for writing in that question. Um, like I mentioned, I will get a vet on this uh, podcast before the hunting season arrives. Um, educate all of ourselves a little bit more on what we should or maybe shouldn't be carrying out into the field. I know um, Gundog Outdoors, I know they have a pretty beefy dog first aid kit. I know some guys are rocking that and enjoying it. I don't have personal experience with it, but it looks like a little bit more robust um, kit for sure. The one I got on gundog supply with i think around 50 or 60 bucks maybe pretty minimal pretty lightweight um it's overall it's been good to me i've never had to use it um it just just lives in my vest but again um, better to have some things just in case um, you might need them okay are you ready to jump in to today's episode I sit down with my good friend, Matt Harrell. Now, Matt Harrell and I, we live a few minutes from each other. Uh, I've known Matt for a little over four years and met him when my wife and I moved out here to Colorado. Um, our families both attended the same church. We were in a small group together and really started hitting it off. Uh, Matt and I have done a, a mostly waterfowl hunting together. Uh, Matt's a big waterfowl hunter. He's also uh, a big elk and mule deer hunter. And 
but pheasant and upland hunting is really his roots and his passion. Um, you will hear it very clearly in this episode. Matt runs a couple amazing uh, German short hair pointers. And the focus of today's episode, we really touch on um, public versus private land. Um, I-, I will say Matt loves public land. He hunts a lot of it. I'm primarily a public land hunter. Um, but the private side, I think is really key is how Matt um, gains access to p- private land and how he maintains relationships with private land owners. So pay attention to some of the things that he shares in this episode. I know asking for permission on land can be scary and intimidating. I say that from experience. So really key in on on some of the things that Matt shares. I got to see this firsthand over the last couple years on some snow goose trips, on um, pheasant trips, quail, all that hunting with Matt and his dad. And how they do this is it's kind of an art form, but I think it can be done by anyone out there. Um, Don't be afraid. Don't be nervous. Knock on doors. But it's more about those relationships, building into people um, and just getting to know them also. So uh, Matt will share a lot more on that in this episode. So I've went on long enough, but last thing, the end of this episode, please stay tuned. I have a very, very special announcement. It's a giveaway and it's a big one. So stay tuned. The end of this episode, uh, you're not going to want to miss it. I will um, share what I am giving away. So stay tuned. A couple things here. We're going to dive in. Uh, put us on a map first. Where where are you located? Uh, and then just tell us a little bit about, uh, just, yeah, a little overview of who you are. Sure. So I live in, in Lone Tree. So I live probably, what, 10 minutes from your if, house? If that. If yeah. That. So in Colorado, Colorado native, uh, one of the few unicorns left, one of the few <laughs> uh, natives in the state. But uh, yeah, grew up hunting with my dad uh, and his buddies. And primarily, I mean, I can remember early on hunting southern like southeastern Colorado, like around Lamar. Okay. And now, you know, there's there's not a lot of birds nope, down there. No, there's not. So <laughs> there's not. we slowly migrated and started going out to McCook, uh, mm. Nebraska, and work in that area. Imperial. And then obviously, like, as we've started to get to know each other, hunting more up along that Elsie uh, Grant, Madrid. Sure. So, you know, we've hunted, you know, northeastern Colorado. Yeah. So, yeah, just my That's whole awesome. life watching my dad. Okay hunt and then that first time going out as a kid bringing your bb gun yes yeah the coolest thing ever and and you know basically i was a retriever we didn't have dogs so i was i was you got your exercise totally that's good man that's so. awesome. Um, okay, I want to. We're going to get into a lot more with with a little bit of your upbringing, how you got into hunting a little bit later. Um, I actually want to start off with uh, a little different direction here. Snow Goose Twenty Twenty One. Oh boy. Um, just, I hope I thought we went. Just go there. I I know I, I I've had some people just ask me randomly sure. like, hey, how was your trip? I saw you guys went out there. Um, just give us a little recap, like like what was the trip like for you? What made it different this year? Um, yeah, just just share a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so uh, you know. It, I guess if I had to say, it's been, as you witnessed, a weird two years, right? We had to cancel our our 2020 hunt with COVID, which in hindsight was a great idea considering how they closed everything down and uh, leaving our families at that that time probably was a bad decision. Um, Not to mention last year, the the migration was, was very early. Sure. So we were missing a big chunk of it. So this year... I, we were all geeked out and excited, um, and and I think you know our timing 
um, was gonna be good. And again, <laughs> it's so yeah, hard to pick. Yeah, it, and again, uh, this was my first year doing this, so yeah. I, I was like following the lead. I'm just going yeah, off your oh, reports, sure. and everyone yeah. else is, is scouting reports. But yeah, so it sounded like it was gonna be good. It was gonna be good, and then that week prior to our hunt, I don't know if you recall, but Nebraska. I mean, the temperature was like 80 degrees yeah, out there. It was warm. So it was very warm, and I think that really triggered a huge migration. And I think we further confirmed that speaking with landowners to get permission is they were all saying, you should have been here last week. Yeah. Um, that, that one guy, Zach, was yeah. shot 160 right. in his the field. The week prior. The week prior. <laughs> Another guy that we spoke with um, you know, said they were flying low, just that the sky was covered with them. So I think that's always the challenge with with snow goose is timing. Sure. Um, if if you're an outfitter and don't have kids, family, jobs, <laughs> all those heck, things, you can do great with snow goose hunting. Go out whenever yeah. you want. Yeah. If you're throwing a, a dart at a you know calendar, sure. And saying, hey, traditionally this has been a great week to be there, um, which it, historically you know we've been hunting that area for ten years. Um, in that that second to third week of March is great. Um, but if you cross, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you one time we went up there, woke up early, drove, went to the lake, they were gone. Oh, jeez. So we turned around and left. You know, oh, really? Back to Denver. Oh, yeah, gosh. Adam and I did that. Oh, so, gosh. Um, you know, it was, it's always, you know, you got to see the... It's a, it's a hit or miss and there's yeah, no guarantees, it sounds like. But the, you know, we had the, I would say we had one okay morning. It was our first morning. Our first morning. Our first morning. Like, everyone was pumped after everyone that morning. Everyone was pumped, we were yeah. feeling good. We were seeing feeling birds. Great. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were working. They were decoying. Yeah. Um, we could have used some wind. We could have used, you know, maybe some warmer temps just to, to push. If there are any birds further south, that would have drove them. Oh, sure. But, yeah, we still got to uh, have fun. Oh and, yeah, you know, shoot some trap and for sure hang out. But it's you know, as you saw, it's it's a ton of work. You know, um, for us, the work continued uh, once we got home, having <laughs> to clean so, the decoys. So, so we'll, we'll kind of end on this. Share share just a little bit about the <laughs> share about the thought process of that last field we hunted, and and just share a little bit about why we set up on that last day given the weather. Okay, so, and then yeah. a little bit of the, the following items that follow. Yeah, and, and so I'm no snow goose expert. I will say this, though. Like, in, in hunting, you know, snow geese for the past 10 to 15 years, and then hunting, you know, dark geese and ducks, um, I, I found that snow goose, uh, our best days are those hot, you know, bluebird days, you know, where it's 70-plus degrees, wind out of the south, and it's triggering a migration. Mm. Um, we've done our, we've had our best hunts in t-shirts. Um, how, and then, you know, you, we've gone out, uh, dark goose hunting sure. and it's almost polar opposite, right? You want to hunt a storm, nasty weather, nasty yeah. weather, wind. Um, well that last day, um, you know, we were, we were watching the weather. We knew it was going to be a, a blizzard, blizzard in Colorado. Yep. <laughs> And we were gonna we we're gonna be on the edge of it, and it's gonna be rain and wind. Sure. So I was looking at that wind. I was like, "Wow, this is gonna be great. Yeah. It's gonna drive the birds down. The cloud cover is gonna drive them down." Sure. Uh, as we all know, like these snow geese fly so high. Yeah. They're uh, way and higher they're than so I spooky, and there's so many eyes on you. So I was actually really confident that last day, yeah. despite knowing it was gonna be a total mud pit. Yep. Um, that it was gonna be 
just miserable to be yeah. out there. Yeah. Rain um, was going sideways. Rain was, <laughs> it was, going, it was sideways. going sideways. There's no <laughs> doubt. There's no, decoys, just to paint a picture, decoys, so the sil- silhouette socks. Yeah, silhouette yeah. socks, yeah. Um, they were just, I mean, a, a, maybe a half gallon of water yeah, in, yeah. in the, each sock. Yeah. And there were some drain holes, but the amount of rain that was getting in those, yeah. butts were to the ground. Like, they were just getting covered in mud. Yeah. over. So that was... Yeah, it, ironically enough, that morning setting up, I was very optimistic. Yeah, we were we were close to the roost. I figured they wouldn't fly far, and it just didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we we maybe had one. What was it? One goose that decoyed? Uh, that kind of decoyed, and, that was and then kind of the one we all <laughs> shot. Can <laughs> mind you, there is I think six or seven guys shooting. <laughs> yeah, not I, not our. I'm strong. pretty sure I unloaded my gun. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. <laughs> Just and nope, here yeah. he, keep, he keeps going. So an adventure, nonetheless. Though. Yes, was, it was. To be out there it was level. a great, great hunt. Yeah. Um. Awesome, Matt. So tell me a little bit. Um. Just catch us up. Like, what kind of hunting are you doing the most right now? Um. I. I. You. I know you. I've known you for a few years now. Yeah. You do a little bit of everything. What's kind of your primary uh, species you hunt right now? And just just give us an overview. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I hunt every. I like to hunt everything. Yeah. So. Um. Growing up, it was, you know, I would tag along with my dad and we'd pheasant hunt. Um, as I grew older, you know, my dad would always be coming back from elk hunts with his buddies. And it was, I dreamed of, you know, going with my dad elk hunting. Sure. So um, I must have been, gosh, 14 maybe um, when I went on my first elk hunt with my dad. Oh, nice. Um, and then, yeah, since then, it's kind of evolved. And I always tease with my dad about this is, you know, as we get into snow goose hunting and setting out 2,000 decoys or, or even dark goose hunting and you're waking up at, you know, 3 in the morning and driving out to, you know, a pit and sitting in, you know, 10 degree, you know, <laughs> weather. Like, why aren't we pheasant hunting? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you said that to me before. We, we've been uh, dark goose hunting, you know, yeah. a couple years ago. and. And we're sitting in there on, on some chill days, and we're, we're both like, I'd rather be out pheasant, pheasant hunting. Yeah. You're, and you've said this to me before. Your luck can change from field, field, to, field. to field. Oh, yeah. You're not sitting there. And I'm not knocking waterfall hunting. That's It's awesome. It's a ton of fun. But you you kind of can, can, can control Agreed. your own outcome a little 100%. bit. Like, hey, we're going to go hit this yeah. field or hit knock on this door. Oh, yeah. And, and, and that's what I love about, you know, and you and I being just active is you know waterfowl's great like i love watching geese and ducks just cup up and commit and you've tricked them right yep. you've you've fooled them but there's something about like getting out in a field and just working and walking and just you know uh, you know like pushing that extra mile yeah in- inevitably you and i know very well it's it's that last field the last the, day i think you the, referenced the, the last hour, edge right? of it yeah the yeah, corner is like you know, boom, you're rewarded with yeah. a point and it's a big fat rooster. Yep, and, yep. You know, and even even a hen point, I'll take that. Oh, if, exactly. If, if totally, your dog, exactly. If your dog can get a point on and it's a hen, that, I don't care what it is. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That you can drive home oh, feeling feeling awesome good about. about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about, so we've mentioned a, a little bit of your, your upbringing, hunting with your dad. Um, just talk about what was that, so with pheasant hunting specifically, with upland bird hunting, um, like, like what was that, what was that motivation, that excitement that, that really drew you to it? And also 
it, was your dad the first generation to hunt? Did his grandpa hunt or his dad hunt? Like to, a little bit sure, of that, that upbringing. Yeah. And then I want to end on kids because I know you have a couple kids and, yeah. and I know uh, your son is kind of starting to, to get into that. So yeah. I want to finish off with, uh, you know, how do we how do we get kids involved in this and, Good and get question. them into it? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so my dad grew up, um, you know, in the South, North Carolina, um, in, uh, I, his dad hunted, but wasn't like an avid hunter, okay. but I think just in the, you know, he grew up in a small, like rural area. So I think, um, hunting was very common amongst like his buddies. So, you know, I actually have my dad's first shotgun, which is a 410 single shot hammer. Oh, wow. Um, in my gun safe right now. Oh, nice. In uh, super cool, and he would, you know, he would go out and shoot quail and um, squirrels and whatnot. But yeah, so my dad, you know, for me, I think, you know, as a kid, um, again, when I'm saying like going out with my dad and his buddies, it was just that adventure of, for me, like carrying a BB gun <laughs> was, was very exciting at that point, sure. right? And, you know, getting just to hold like, you know, a rooster that they'd shot. That was just like a really like monumental, powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like, wow, this is incredible. And then I guess just the whole process between kind of watching the camaraderie amongst my dad and his buddies and then how I kind of like fit into that, you know, with, because some of his buddies would bring their sons. And, sure. it, you know, there's just the whole, um, the drive, you know, the excitement as a kid when you're waking up at, you know, we would we would wake up at three, and we would we'd actually go to Binkelman, Nebraska. Okay. And we would drive out there and get you know into Binkelman around you know six thirty seven thirty. So as a kid, I was like, yeah. wow, this is so cool. Yeah. Just that that adventure. Just, yeah. You know, it'd be snowing or whatever it might be, um, and then start walking and uh, knocking on doors. So sure. you know, you and I've hunted several times, but my dad is the one, and his buddies. Yeah. Is just that that you know how to interact with these landowners the farmers and you know uh, spark some type of relationship sure uh with them and just kind of master that skill of hey we, we also can hunt public yeah but you know we're gonna knock on some doors and get to know these guys and totally. um so yeah that that you know like as a kid, I was always fascinated. Look, that, with it. it just got you hooked. It found there was hooked. enough touch points. There was oh, enough yeah. of that that time with your dad, your buddies, your dad's friends. Just incredible. Yeah, and, and it's like you can remember, you know, when you transition from carrying a BB gun to I had a pump. Uh, I still have it, an eight seventy Express twenty mm. gauge pump. Oh wow! Still my gun safe. Nice. And Jack will shoot with that. Has a shorter stock. Okay, nice. And um. You know, and I remember, like, I can remember uh, Ron Peterson was a farmer Okay. <laughs> um, in Binkelman. I can remember that first rooster. You know, probably you can remember sure. yours like it was yesterday. Yep. But this this bird, the perfect, like, we didn't have dogs. Sure. But he held and popped up maybe 10 yards in front of me. And it was the classic, like, going away shot, yep. one shot down. Wow. And, like, you know, my dad. Oh, my God. Was, you know almost in tears i was like <laughs> so excited so um those are all the things that you know for myself for you for all everyone who's getting into to pheasant hunting it's it's more than just getting a limit of birds it's being out in the country being on a dirt road yeah. sleeping in a dirty hotel yeah. 
you know, <laughs> you know all those things. All those things. It, it's when you describe this to someone who, who maybe doesn't hunt or even even my spouse. Right, exactly. She's like, so so what made the trip so great? And I'm saying, oh, just the dirt roads yeah. and everything. We were muddy and filthy. This hotel was a piece of crap. Yeah. And she's yeah, like, I loved oh, every minute of it. yeah. <laughs> she's like, that sounds terrible. And we walked 15 miles and we yeah. saw two birds. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. I missed. Yeah, yeah. I missed them all. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, okay, so so now let's transition into you know I have a couple kids, you have a couple kids. Um, like, like how can someone get their kids into this, and what are what are some of the things that you've maybe done um, to introduce Jack to it and, and your other kids? Because yeah. um, sometimes I, I think even for myself it, it can kind of be can be a, a barrier sometimes if you don't want to do it wrong. You don't want to yeah. introduce them to hunting wrong the wrong way. You don't. I mean, you want it to be natural as well. You don't want to force them. So, yeah. What's some things that you've done to, to introduce your kids to it? Yeah. So, um, you know, Jack is eight, eight and a half. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd say ever since, you know, I think a big thing uh, that you and I can obviously relate to and our kids are exposed to is, is just having hunting dogs in your house mm. that aren't just hunting dogs. These are family dogs. That's a, good, that's a great point. 90% of the time. Um, but, you know... Your, your kids know that this dog also serves a purpose out in the field. So I think that with my kids has always triggered something of, of interest for pheasant hunting. That's really cool, yeah. And so um, that in just, you know, we've introduced much like I'm sure you have like BB guns and, and I always make a point to, if I come home from a pheasant hunt, my kids are the first one to see the birds mm. and they love it. So I'm not I'm not um, sheltering them in any way where, oh, don't let them see a, a dead bird. Sure. <laughs> don't let them, you know, they'll come out and I've got, you know, pictures of my kids, you know, when they're, you know, two, three years old holding roosters. <laughs> those are the best pictures. And, those and those are the best. Them, yeah, but those kids get to know, like, and kind of feel that same thing, you know, that you and I probably felt as kids is like when, when I was a you know, a 10 year old kid in mm-hmm. walking around with my dad with a BB gun holding that bird, they're, they're experiencing that at home first. Sure. And I think that's kind of triggering, you know, the excitement. Um, so yeah, so last, last year was Jack's first pheasant hunt. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So we went and it was, it was actually really powerful. So it was, yeah. it was, you know, my dad, myself and Jack. Nice. So three generations um, going out to Nebraska and in knocking on doors that just of farmers that we've gotten to know over the years, sure. hunting public land. Um, and just, you know, I can remember my dad shot a rooster um, in a wheat stubble field, walk in field. And that was Jack's first experience, out experience the field. in the field. Yeah. yeah. And, and getting to see the dogs work. And um, that was powerful. But also, equally as powerful was just you know some of these farmers that we've gotten to know over the years is now hey this is my son Hmm. and just kind of seeing that's that's three generations right there generations and it's i think it it resonates with them too the farmer who's like this is great you're passing on passing on absolutely you know this tradition um so yeah in terms of like getting getting them excited i think it's just exposure exposure it's your hunting dogs like you doing all your dog training your kids are exposed to that you know daily yeah and then when you come home i know you're not sheltering these birds and then you're eating them and that's um you know like my daughter reagan who's four now um 
when she was, you know, two, three, I mean, we're eating pheasant yeah. and she's eating pheasant <laughs> legs. You know, it's That's just awesome. stuff like so that. Early, early exposure. And it's just oh, part, yeah. it's just part of your family now. It's, it's just Without part of, yeah. hey guys, dad went hunting. Let's check out what we got. Exactly, and then, yeah. And then I think that sets him up for success. Like you're saying, like when you take Jack out on his first hunt, like he's yeah. already had like birds that are, are shot and killed exposure. He's already seen that. He's yeah. already like been fascinated by that. Like, I mean, and also too, roosters are beautiful. Oh, they're, they're so beautiful, beautiful yeah. birds. And so for a kid to kind of like study their feathers and colors. Oh, it's, it's so powerful. And, it and quail. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we, we got a couple yeah. quail and like you got a little girl and you give her a little baby little, quail. Little tiny quail, yeah. Yeah, she thinks it's a little baby. Yeah. You know, it's, Aww, look how cute. <laughs> uh, I will say um, just like some cautions. Like, so when I did bring Jack out, like, um, I, you know, I like to run and gun, and you know, you yeah. you're used to doing ten, you're moving. 15 miles. You're moving. You're not gonna do that. Yep. And um, when we were there, we were, we were lucky. We had one, <clears throat> excuse me, nice day, nice day, and then you know, the next morning it was, you know, we we're hunting some prime stuff, but it was cold and it was sure. frost on all the grass, and so. Yeah, that was that was one thing. Like, be cautious of. Sure. Is it just about setting expect setting proper expectations for yourself when you bring your kids out? I think so. Because you're really, not gonna you're not gonna put in 15 miles. No. Yeah. You, you might not shoot your. I mean. Yeah. There's a good chance you're not gonna shoot your limit. Exactly. It's more about the experience. I'd say so, and we we, we did luck out. We I think you know that that time we were just shy of a limit. We got some quail, but yeah, we kind of changed our tactic too. We. Mm. We really worked the corners. Okay. We knew we couldn't be pushing like big CRP fields. Yeah. We couldn't be doing like, you know, wheat stubble fields. We, so we focused on these smaller corners. And, you know, obviously it's nice having like grandpa out there because I could walk in. Grandpa's and a really good block. block. He's a yeah, great blocker. A <laughs> He's a really good blocker. Uh, <laughs> um, so talk about, we've touched on it a little bit. Um, uh, gaining land access. And now I, I gotta start by saying, um, you and your dad, you and you and Carlito, do this so well. Yeah. And you've touched on developing those relationships, um, but, but just talk about that a little bit more because because you and I have talked a bunch. I mean, you encourage me all the yeah, time I to remember, knock yeah. on doors. <laughs> that was the goal. It, it was be, the goal. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I blame it on my back. I right, yeah. it, so <laughs> it's the back. Sorry. Right. Um, didn't get out as much as I wanted to, but. Um, there is something powerful. First off, public land is great. I love public land. Yeah. Nebraska has some great access. Kansas yes. has some great access. It's all over. Yeah. I love it. But there is something to to private land, private access, knocking on someone's door. It opens up other new areas that might not get hit as hard. Um, but I know myself included can be nervous. I'm just going to lay it out there. I know a lot of guys yeah. who are just, just nervous or scared. Like, oh, what, are, what if they tell me no? Yeah. What, what if they yell at me? What if they cuss? Like, who knows what right. goes through our minds? <laughs> kind of just talk about like, like how? What's your strategy going into this when you're knocking on someone's door, yeah. finding finding private access land? Because because you guys do it really well. Yeah. Um. I and that's I think it, again it reverting back to growing up. That's I would say growing up. You know, it was, it was probably ninety percent private ground. We wow, hunted. that much. And it wasn't, you know, this is not like we have a lease in place. We're not paying to access the ground. It's simply watching my dad and his buddies knock on the door, spark up some type of rapport, um, you know, with, with the landowner, the farmer. And then, you know, uh, let me back up. 
it is like I I was taught much like you were is you always knock we we you know I was that's what I've engraved in a, to Jackson my son sure is you know the ask first to hunt and fish you know the the old bumper yeah. sticker sure is you know live by that yeah. is hey we're hunting we, we have to have permission yeah and, and I know there's other guys that oh you know if it's not posted that means we can hunt it no sure. You know, you're finding that owner. You're knocking on the you're door. knocking on the door. So, you know, I think for me, just the success has been, um, just comes with just practice. Hmm. Um, you know, and I'm a salesman by trade too. So <laughs> it helps. Uh, yeah, that it helps, helps a little bit. <laughs> okay. But I think you know, just um, is being respectful to these these landowners and you know uh, approaching them with, hey, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna come onto your land. It's not me and ten buddies and and 10 dogs we're coming on there's a group of four of us we've got two dogs um you know we're looking to you've got a really nice field located at at this county road would it be okay if we went in there Hmm. um but then also just the follow-up is either stopping by that guy's house after that after you've worked that field oh wow so thank you so so much you're doing a like hey thank you you're not just getting out of dodge well i'll tell you a quick story so one of the best uh relationships I've now created is a guy up in up in Nebraska kind of the panhandle and it was a spot I used to drive by all the time actually going to public land and the public land would get pounded and I would look at this private spot and be like I need to knock on that door but it's got to be leased there's no way Hmm. and uh, inevitably one day my dad and I were up there and We'd walked, we pounded the public stuff and didn't get a whole lot of activity. And my dad's like, let's go knock on his door. What's the worst he can say? Like you just referenced, you know? Sure. And it's like, he came out the nicest guy and said, absolutely, you can hunt it. Thank you so much for asking. More, more time than not, I'm chasing guys off it that don't ask. Oh, wow. He's so, it really like hit home with him. Like, thank you for asking. Yeah, it meant a lot to him. Yeah, so we went in and sure enough I think we pulled four birds out of there in an hour it was a great spot um I had gotten his phone and I called him up after that and said hey we had a great time thank you so much for letting my dad and I you know come out and and hunt um and we kind of just got to talking on the phone and uh this this landowner says hey do you deer hunt I said, yeah, I deer hunt. Wow. He said, well, why don't you come back out next year for opening weekend a rifle and you can hunt my whole property? No way. No no cost, just come out. Wow. And so, you know, those are the little like, maybe that's the one in a million type story. You don't, sure. That doesn't happen all the time. But but none of that would have happened if you didn't take that chance. If I didn't take the chance. And, and like you said, it, it is the what's the worst that can happen? They can say no. Sure. There's been plenty of guys where I've rolled up to with my buddies sitting in the car and I'll go out and be talking to the farmer in the driveway and, and the farmer says no. And, and just sparking up like a general conversation, developing that re- rapport. Yeah. By the end of the conversation, he says, hey, you can't hunt that field. But guess what? I got another field over here you can't hunt. Yeah. Um, so I think not being pushy and just being like a genuine yeah because it's it's their land they get they get to decide 100 even you exactly. being at their door not I mean exactly that's yeah. 
kind of inc- yeah. like they're probably sitting watching TV, you know, oh, yeah. trying to enjoy their their morning or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and on the flip side too, I think a lot of these guys too being out in a rural area where there's not a lot of socialization is, you know, if you come up and take some interest, hey, how's your how's farming? How's your crop? How's your moisture? Mm-hmm. You know, how are prices? You know, how are your cattle doing? Yeah. You know, getting, you know, having some vested interest. Over, what are you planting this year? So, so you're, it sounds like you're not just taking the approach, knocking on the door. Hey, how you doing? Can I go hunt your land? Mm. You're, there's a little, it sounds like there's a lot more like, hey, like, how you doing? I'm so-and-so. Yeah. It's a more casual, non-threatening, like, I want to, I want to get to know you a little bit. Without a doubt. Yeah. I think, I think the, the guys, and again, just what works for me is the guys who are going up and saying, kind of like what you just referenced, yeah. hey, can I go hunt your land? Yeah. They're not sparking any rapport. I've, I've gone up and knocked on a guy's door or, or caught him outside. He was skinning a coyote. Hmm. And we sat there and talked about coyotes for 10 minutes, you know, and, and what a nice coyote he had. He was getting a nice, nice fur out of it sure. and just talking. And he was actually a guy... Uh, that that very thing happening. Yeah, I say, hey, can I hunt this? No, I, he's like, and eh, we like to keep that for us. Sure. And said no. And I sat there and talked to him for another ten minutes, mm. and not not selfishly, just trying sure. to get access. Because there's a there's a gen, the genuine interest. Genuine in like, interest. Yeah. Hey, just like talking with hey, you, taking yeah, a little I, break in my day, getting to know someone else. Oh, exactly. And, and I and I and you know, you and I, I think have talked about it, but just taking an interest in that lifestyle. Mm. Um, and by the end of that conversation, it was he did say, "Hey, hunt this field over here." And we walked in there with four guys, and and we probably shot six roosters. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it might not have opened up the door you wanted or, or went into asking true, for, yeah. But it opened up something different. Something else, yeah. yeah. Um, how are you using Onyx in in this? Does that uh, with with public land? It's great. I mean, yeah. it shows you your public fields. Uh, with private, are you using that in any way, or are you just uh, just tell us how you how are you using Onyx? Yeah, hundred percent. Onyx has been a game changer. Um, I will say, like pre Onyx, um, you know, having a notepad and a pen and paper, and you you take down a lot of names, and oh. that's valuable. I actually have a little like Tupperware box full of just notes in your gun safe. I'm sure right? in my gun safe, <laughs> yeah. locked up yeah. <laughs> in my black box, but. Uh, you know, back then it was you. You got to know a lot more people because you're knocking on the door to find out who owned that land. Oh, so, to, so you're trying to network a while networked. ago. Oh yeah, and it was kind of the, you know, hey, I just spoke with your neighbor, you know, Mr. Sanders, and he said you own this. Well, just that connection that you've already spoken with that. So. Um, Onyx is awesome though. I, you know, we used it on our snow goose hunt. Yeah, we used it a lot. A lot. We had like three guys at one all, time. On our, oh, <laughs> nonstop. Um, in, in exactly, yeah, for, for pheasant hunting, I think it's, you know, one of the most important pieces you have. Um, even if like you're hunting some of these big CRP plots that necessarily don't always have, you know, like a barbed wire fence running across the sure. property line. Um, is knowing where that is. Just to quickly double check, like, hey, where are we? Where right? am I? Yeah, in this exactly, field. Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. I do know a few few fields that are that same situation. It's a full section, and maybe a quarter section of it is public walk-in. Yeah. So just, uh, but having access to the, um, and, and knowing how to use it, knowing, hey, this guy owns it. Well, let me look and see where he actually lives. So mm. being able to look at Onyx, and kind of look at all the different plots that 
you know, like some of the, the guys we hunted uh, for snow goose, they own 40 pivots. Yeah. So being able to use Onyx to look at an image and say, okay, that actually looks like where he lives. Right. You know, we're looking at where they're like. It helps you uh, game plan a lot. It helps you be more efficient, I think, too. A hundred percent. Because there was a couple other trucks out there on oh, the yeah, chasing, exactly. chasing down yeah. the property. Yeah, and, yeah and exactly. I think it can help you be a lot more efficient. Without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I, I've admittedly, I told you this. I think I've only knocked on maybe one or two doors. No, one door for sure, I know. You told me about it. I in did. Holyoke. I, in Holyoke. In yeah, Holyoke, yeah, yeah, in Holyoke. <laughs> um, knocked on one door. And, and just to share my my story, I uh, got up the nerves. I think I was texting you before yeah, I went up to the I door. Were, I was like, all right, yeah. Matt, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was outside. He had a couple couple dogs outside I was a little, little leery of. They were barking. I pull up to his driveway, I hop out. <laughs> And uh, super nice guy. Uh, I was like, hey, like, I just, and again, I, what I call the honey hole was right across the street from him. It's sure. This, it's this beautiful CRP field. Um, as soon as I got in my truck to hunt that, I mean, there must have been 30, 40 roosters that flew, <laughs> right. yeah. crossed his house behind a, his, <laughs> another field. So I kind of told him, hey, like, how you doing? Uh, my name's Will. And, you know, I, hey, I'm hunting out here with my dog and a buddy. Uh, would you mind if I hunt this field behind your, your house? And uh, he thought about it for a second. He's like, oh, no, we don't really let anyone hunt that. Um, uh, so, so, so no, uh, but check back another time. Yeah. So it wasn't a no, get off my property. Yeah. It was a, hey, like, no, n- not this year. Yeah. Um, so, so he's definitely on my list if I, if I go back out oh, that yeah. way to just to stop back in and, and kind of see how he's doing. And, hey, I talked with you last year. And, exactly. Yeah. So Those was, are the great, I mean, it, it was good I, to get that out of the way. That kind of oh, that first yeah, initial yeah. one. I was like, okay, I did it. <laughs> it's, it's like asking a girl out when you're. Oh, you know, I think it might be school, might be more difficult. More nervous, it might yeah. be more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny. Uh, another funny story. Because um, I, you know, like I was encouraging you to knock on doors. Yeah. Um, just because I think it opens up so much more opportunity. Yeah. Um, public land is awesome. It's great. It's such a resource. Um, however, like. A lot of, you know, public land can get pounded, especially like we saw in COVID. It can. Um, And you don't know if a truck just pulled out of there. Um, You typically know on these private, you know, plots because you're talking to the farmer. He could say, oh, someone's out there right now. Or someone Um, just left. Someone just left. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But, you know, between you and, you know, like I'll say say a story about Eric, you know, from our snow goose hunt is... um, I'll always encourage guys, hey, your turn. You go up, you knock That's on good. this door. That's good. And and you can just see the like, you know, white in their eyes, like, <laughs> what? I don't want to do this. Well, funny story, we had pulled up into this driveway and we're pulling up, and you know, I, I said, Eric, this is your this is your you're driveway. Up. You're up, Eric. This guy owns land, you know, a quarter mile down on this county road, reference that. You know, go up, just do. Love how you're, love how you're coaching these guys. Coaching, yeah. <laughs> you got this, bud. You, you got, got this. It, get in. So uh, he he's Eric's opening the door. Why the guy's out on you know with his kid, kind of in their front yard, and as as we're doing that, I you know Eric's closing the door, and I look off to the side, and I see this big sign saying like, "No hunting." You know, right by his by his house. <laughs> And I, you know, Eric closes the door as as he's walking up, and I'm I'm kind of like, oh no, here we go. This isn't going to be good. Um, but even such, it's you know, Eric spoke with the guy. The guy obviously said no, um, but came back and and 
you know, like, yeah, we can't hunt, but he was a nice guy. I was like, hey, look at that sign. And it was, <laughs> it was, you know, it was maybe a little bit more than like a no hunting, like, sure. you know, uh, uh, trespassers yeah. will be prosecuted and whatnot. Sure, so, sure. But it's even, even those, I, uh, my dad and growing up, you know, we would almost see like, you know, those signs of like, you know, no hunting without written permission. Mm. We're like, awesome that's like an invitation let's go find <laughs> all out we need is written permission it's not like i love that. no hunting period yeah it's, it's like you can hunt you can hunt but you got to talk to me it's a good Perfect. sign i like yeah, that sign. so yeah i think i think uh knocking on doors it's yeah. you get to a point as, like i said I, I really got to see um you got well i got to see it two times this year one on the snow goose hunt um you and your dad would go up and yeah. so it was for someone who hasn't done it a lot, it was nice to like see just even body language, like oh, yeah. how you guys carry yourself. Go up, your dad's like fixing his hair, making yeah. sure he looks presentable. <laughs> um, and then on our our pheasant hunt in Nebraska, um, it was cool to see the relationships you guys had. Yeah. So we weren't really knocking on new doors at, at that point. It was late in the season, um, but we were going back to relationships you guys have built for yeah. years. It yeah. sounds like, and so that was really cool to see. Oh yeah. Um, you went up to people's house and be like, "Hey, good to see you again." And yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very important part too to continue the relationship is finding out like uh, interests that these these farmers have, and if they're living out in rural, you know, USA, is and you're coming from a city. Hey, what can I bring you? Mm. you know, I was so, just going to ask: Are you doing any kind of like gifts or oh, any yeah, appreciation? We, oh yeah, we've. I mean, pies, hams. Oh nice. Um, you know, night a bottle of wine or something yeah. like that. Bringing them elk, maybe from an elky shop. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I dropped off. You know, some uh, some jerky sticks and nice. stuff like that. And I think that goes a long ways. And then I'll say one last thing <clears throat> is just checking in. <clears throat> excuse me, checking in with these guys when it's not hunting season. Oh, nice. So like I, I make it a point to you know, shoot them a text or a quick call, um, you know, during, you know, planting, during the summer. Hey, how's your moisture? Hopefully you're not getting any hail. Hope all's well, just checking in. Nice. Um, everyone's knocking and asking these guys, but you not, know, I, for the I, feds I, and opener. My guess is a lot of people aren't maintaining those, Maintain, those relationships. Yeah. And I think that just gives you the long-term it's becoming a very competitive sure. space, right? Where a lot of leases are snatching up ground, and I can't blame any of these farmers, sure. as their you know yields are going down, or, or not yields, but you know their prices sure. being um, affected in some way are being yeah. affected. Is hey, they've got to supplement in other ways. Um, so I think you know I, I don't I don't fault them, but it, I think you know we've probably seen it more as. Hey, this land is leased. Mm-hmm. This land is leased. Um, so, kind of just maintaining those relationships with the, these landowners is yeah. crucial. Absolutely, that's well, very yeah. well said. Okay, let's um, let's transition to your dogs for a little bit. Uh, I definitely want to spend some time here. Um, a huge smile on my face because I loved Honey Behind, uh, Maddie and CJ this yeah. year. They were they were amazing. Um, these are some veteran dogs. Just share a little bit about um, two things. Just, just give us an overview on, on your dogs and also um, why GSPs? Why'd you go yeah. for GSP? Okay. Um, yeah, so I got two dogs. Um, one's 11 and a half, one's 10 and a half. So these are, Will saw them in their golden year hunts. They're they're slower they can't power through like the long three-day weekend hunts um but there's they um 
I don't know. They're, they're, I, I, I posted something on my Instagram, you know, just of, of random photos and situations. Yeah. They're warriors. You know, they're just warriors. They they're just old warriors. They really are. Um, and, um, yeah, so ironically, I was speaking with, you know, a, a breeder yesterday, and we're on the list for a puppy nice. in June. Nice. So, um, but GSPs, gosh, I don't know why. And, and did you grow up with hunting dogs? No. So, yeah. so you mentioned hunting with your dad. So did you guys ever have we a dog? We didn't have dogs. Okay. So it was totally different. You know, growing up hunting, my dad taught me how to zigzag. Wow. Walk to cover more. <laughs> so ground. you were a flusher and a retriever. We were, I was a flusher and a retriever. <laughs> I was pushing. It was, and we would just get in a big line and push. Okay. And so that's a very different hunting style than, than what we're doing different. now. And, and I'll say this, we had um, we had a, a Springer Spaniel that was not a hunter. Okay. Um, and we tried to bring him, failed miserably. Didn't work. The dog, you know, he would, Spot was his name. Uh, I'm not going like, to make any jokes <laughs> yeah. about the Springers. I have some buddies who, who love the Springers. They're great dogs. They're yeah, great, great dogs. dogs. If you trade, this was an untrained, you know, house dog sure. that we threw out thinking, oh, he's got like some, yeah. you know. This is the best dog ever. Right. <laughs> So, uh, but then we had a golden, and again, I think it all comes down as you, as you like are great at training, you know, we, we didn't, these were dogs that were just house dogs. Sure. Um, and, and so like, I think with the pointers, um, it, you know, I, I, it's funny. Here's a funny story. So I, you know, one of the companies I worked for was headquartered out in New York. So I had some college buddies in Manhattan and I remember distinctively one day in Manhattan walking and someone had a German short hair pointer okay. in Manhattan. Wow. You know, walking this dog. You and I remember every day? just being mesmerized. It was just a, a, a beautiful like liver roan, yeah. perfectly ticked. And I just looked at that dog of all places. It wasn't in, a, in the back of someone's pickup truck. It was in Manhattan. And I looked <laughs> all at that places. dog and I was like, this dog is beautiful. Wow. It was just just ripped i mean just the perfect you know silky coat color um and from there i, I really started just researching you know and i dove in you know we had the, we had the golden retriever and some of my dad's buddies had labs and whatnot and you know i the more i researched the more i just became fascinated with the athleticism and you know the the pedigree the heritage of the german short hair pointer um, which led me to get CJ. Um, and I think we probably broke every rule in terms of like when you go to a breeder yeah. to get a puppy, you know, like if you see this, walk away. <laughs> you know, we walked into this like, we walked into this the breeder and we'd been, you know, corresponding yeah. with them um, about CJ and walked in and we, we had to drive a couple hours yeah. to get down there, my wife and I. And, um, Sure enough, there's another truck there. And I'm like, hey, what's going oh, on? Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the breeder comes out and said, hey, this guy might take both dogs. And I'm kind of sitting here, hey, we've been corresponding. And you, and you just drove weeks. down to I pick up this. I just drove down to pick up this dog. Yeah. And uh, long story short, you know, the, the breeder, you know, obviously like CJ's turned out to be the best. I, I you know, we, we all say that about our dogs. Yeah. I just, the, the dog, I love him. So, um, you know, he hadn't been outside, you know, they were feeding him just, you know, terrible food and all this stuff. And it kind of a backyard breeder situation. Yeah, well, it was, I mean, they were full on, like, I Can, mean, the, the dogs, 
I think they did a lot better job at, you know, they were, I mean, they were competing with the dogs. So, um, you know, there were some like hunt trial championships from, you know, the parents. Um, but this the breeding operation was not, it was almost like out of their basement. Okay. And so I remember taking CJ out and they're like, oh, this is the first time he's been outside. And, <laughs> oh, God. And, and so my wife and I joke, we're like, we rescued him. Yeah. He's a, he's a rescue GSP. <laughs> he's a rescue GSP. Which is funny because that actually leads to Maddie. Maddie is a rescue. Oh, okay. So, um, I, don't Ma- I, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, someone um, had, uh, Maddie was picked up in western Kansas. No way. Um, middle of nowhere. Just totally emaciated, um, skin and bones. Wow. Um, we got her. They rescued her, and you know, they, I think they send a lot of dogs to Denver just with the bigger population. So we had been in touch with this uh, a specific German short hair pointer rescue, and it, you know, it's just it was a god thing. Honestly, it was that one night we'd been looking month after month, and you know, just hadn't found like the right dog. And I remember laying in bed, looking on my phone, and boom, here's a picture of Maddie. No way. And it was one of those, I'm like, immediately contacted, hey, I'm interested in this dog. And they say, hey, we just got her in. You're the first email. Wow. And, you know, th- at that point, you, I'm, I'm also looking for a hunting dog. And you're taking a big risk with a rescue. Well, sure, especially with hunting dogs. Well, exactly, they could be gun guy. Yeah, I was going to say, gun yeah. shy guys are always worried about exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it was just a meant to be. Um, Maddie ultimately went from like uh, the intake for the, the rescue to a foster family. And the foster family were big hunters. And so I obviously was, you know, communicating with them a lot. And they said, hey, we're taking her out this weekend, the pheasant hunt. And I'm, you know, please, God, don't let me be <laughs> yes, just and, and I remember just, I like, waiting for the call and yeah. like, late Sunday. So this is before you got her? Before, before I got her. Before you picked her? Okay. So we, yeah, so I had, like, basically said I want her. And yeah. if if anyone's ever uh, rescued a dog, it's quite a pro. It's almost like, okay. you know, not to the extent of adopting a child. but Sure, but pretty involved. They, they come out and they look at your house. Wow. They look at you as a person, like, hey, what are you going to be doing with these dogs? And I remember we were actually in the process of moving, and they're like, "Hey, show me what your fence is going to look no like." No way. Um, so they're, which at rightfully so, they should be making sure these dogs go to of the course, right homes. Of course. But I'll never forget that the foster guy, man, she's not gun shy. She's got a great nose. Oh. She's got great instincts. She's already quartered. Oh my gosh, she must have been stoked. And I was thrilled. So we got her in. You know, Maddie, you know, fast forward 10 years from when we've gotten her, um, she's, I wouldn't say she has the athleticism as CJ, okay. but I would actually put her nose above CJ's really? and just her drive. Okay. Um, you know, CJ being a male and her being a female, there's always been that, I think you and I have talked about it, like yeah. the drive yeah. is typically with those males. Sure. I think Maddie being a rescue. You've seen it a little different? I tell you what, it's she it's it's almost like she's hunting for food. No way. Um is she's always hunting. Where CJ will tire. It's funny, you Have it's you so funny. That? We're we're sitting at the tailgate, we're BSing after a hunt. Exactly. Uh, my dogs yeah. and, and CJ are are just sitting around us kind of water, chilling, yeah. water, whatever. Ma- Maddie's hunting. I'm like, where the hell is Maddie right now? <laughs> You're like, Oh, she's hunting. She's hunting, and that's what she does, is she never stops. Yeah. 
That so, I have not seen that in, yeah. in a dog before. Like they're continuing, continuing to go, go, go. And when I let her out, like in the open space here, she's hunting. You know, she's. It's funny because my neighbor, we got the prairie dogs up there, and she'll boom, she'll point, and my neighbors, right here, have seen her up there, and they're like, what? you know, they'll they'll stare. Okay? Like, what is that? Or if someone's riding their their mountain bike, and Maddie will be at full point at a prairie dog. And just standing there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she. You told me she's been standing there for 30, 40 minutes. Oh, she's been out there for an hour before, <laughs> just pointing at this prairie dog that's chirping yeah, at her. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, you know, the, the, I, going back to pointers, I love yeah. pointers. Yeah. I, I, you know, in so general, did, I love hunting dogs. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm I love. With you. I think we dogs. all have our. We all have our favorites, like, and it's okay to have like you. You love JSPs. Yes. I love Britneys. Exactly. The next guy loves setters. Yes. There is. And I tell this to people all the time. There is no wrong dog for hunting. It is what you what you Agreed. enjoy. What Agreed. you enjoy hunting yes. behind, that's great. If Do you enjoy it. hunting behind a golden, a lab, yeah. uh, a springer, whatever it is, yeah. like if it gets you out there upland hunting, chasing birds, like it's so powerful. It's it's yeah. great. It doesn't not does not matter what dog you have. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. So you and I, with our network of friends, um, I'll say this: like, as we're if if we're kind of like addressing people getting into hunting and and looking at potential dog breeds, or 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 maybe not even at that point yet, but just showing a huge interest yeah. in hunting, I always kind of get a good laugh when you know, like within our circle of friends, you get you get a couple guys who are very geeked out on hunting. Right? I love pheasant hunting. I want to do it every weekend. And then, and then the conversation comes up. Hey, we're getting a dog. Oh, what are you getting? Oh, we're getting a golden doodle. <laughs> we're getting a labradoodle. We're getting, yeah, yeah. you know, a, a non-hunting dog. Uh-huh. And I kind of, I kind of call them out on that. I yeah. say, Hey, I thought you were really, you know, interested in hunting. <laughs> if you, if you really want to hunt, <laughs> if you really want to hunt, this is a great opportunity. Yeah. But I think it's important, like, for people to know and and educate everyone in their family. Hey, this isn't a hunting dog that you may have seen 20 years ago that's living in a in a box right. in your yard. Yeah. This is a family dog. Yeah. Because like you said, these dogs are spending, again, I try to hunt as much as I can, yeah. but let's be honest. These dogs are in our house, say 90% exactly. of the time. You know, yeah. When, when it, yeah. When it relates to like the time hunting and the time as a, as a family pet, like it's it's a huge difference. Oh, it's a huge difference. And and the hunting dogs are just I mean, you're Britney's with with your five kids. Yeah. You know, there's these are a part of your family. My dogs, it's yeah. You know, everyone's it, always kind of has this stereotype of a hunting dog being like an aggressive yeah, you know, non family dog. It's you and I have had both of our kids grow up pulling on these pulling, dogs. Ears yeah, the tails, and the fr- riding yeah. them and and no incident. Yeah. So um, I, I just like as people are getting into pheasant hunting yeah. and exploring dogs, um, explore hunting dogs. Yeah. Don't you know? Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll say genetics are huge, huge, especially yes. talking about like genetics and bloodlines for hunting. Um, yeah, again, you can try hunting with a labradoodle. It's, it's maybe going to be an amazing family dog, sure. amazing family dog. Yes, but set your expectations right that. It's going to be way different, different. than a well-bred GSP or True. a setter exactly. or something, you know. Yeah. And so, so pay attention to genetics, bloodlines, um, on the hunting side because yes. it's going to make your training easier. It's going to make the uh, getting in, getting that dog into birds and, and hunting style. Yes. It's going to make it just so much so easier much for you oh, yeah. for the average guy like me who's 
doing this for fun and, and you know, I'm not a, a pro kennel or anything. Right, yeah. Um, it, it, it helps speed up that process a lot. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, the, the guys who are going out and getting, you know, hey, I want to get the micro version of the Labradoodle, whatever type doodle, um, it, it, and the hunting has been bred out, you know, because poodles yeah. are actually yeah great hunting they, dogs. They were, they were duck dogs. Yeah, yeah, great water dog. And so, and obviously like a lab or a retriever, like a golden retriever, great hunting dogs. But, you know, as, they, as they're bred so much to be more of a family pet dog. Yeah, that, that instinct, that hunting line. It's almost driven out. It is. So just be, yeah, like you're saying, I'd, I'd be super cautious of getting this dog because maybe your wife wanted more of a family dog. Sure. And, and your expectation is, hey, I'm going to turn it into a, right. a hunting dog. I think that's harder. That might do. be harder. I think that's yeah. harder to do. I, yeah, when I'm when I'm picking dogs out, I'm they are family dogs, they're my pets, but also I want a badass hunting dog. Oh, without so, a doubt. So yeah. I'm leaning more like, hey, show me how what was this dog's parents like? Yeah. What were the grandparents like? Yeah. And go back and back and back. Um, because I want that, and I'll adapt the dog to my family style. Like, oh, yeah. That, and I think the dog me, adapts, right? I 100%. Mean, they're they're going to become a part of that family. If you and, get them around, uh, part of like having a new puppy, which we'll talk about uh, your pup coming up here in a little bit, a big part is like, don't just keep them in the kennel when, when they're, oh, yeah. get them around your kids. Get them around the loud noises yeah. and, and kids screaming and running around. Like, exactly, yeah. We had to with, to do that with our dogs because we have we have five kids. It's constantly loud in our house. Sure, That's yeah. why we're recording right. this at your house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the dog had to adapt to, and it did sure, adapt to us. Yeah. Kids are, are crying and screaming yeah. and, and it's, the dog adapted because it, it was around that doubt, environment. Without a doubt. And I think it's good for the dog too. Like, you know, if they're not, I, there, it's a this is a pack animal, right? So you become yeah. the the pack. So if you're excluding them from the pack, I think that that's when you see like a lot of separation anxiety and you know like just socialization. We take these dogs to the dog park or whatever, and they're getting into tips sure. and whatnot. Is heck, I can remember you know with our dogs, probably too young. You know, we were taking them to the dog part and exposing them. Sure. And, you know, like I used to actually tell some of my buddies who were getting dogs is, you know, the best thing that ever happened to like my dog was he got beat up one day at the at the dog park. And he learned kind of the hierarchy yeah. of how to approach other dogs and That's whatnot. Really because good. that also translates into getting together at a field with your yep. buddies. Next thing you know, you got five dogs who've never met. And, and kind of like these dogs learn quickly, hey, this is how we greet each other, but this is how we hunt together yeah. too, is we're gonna, we're gonna equally hunt yep. um, this ground. And you know, like when we did it, it's so awesome when you have, you know, three, four dogs yeah. out there. Oh yeah, it was a blast. And, and Gunner learning, yeah. it's just, that's a, a such a cool, Time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Gage kept chasing <laughs> CJ around that day. I don't know what was that, up with him. Well, and, that and was that, so it's funny. It's funny. And, that, and that, I think that's CJ just being old, too. Is, sure. I think I told you. I was like, oh, he'll nip at him, and yeah. it'll be over. Yeah. And I think you know, <laughs> two years ago, maybe he would CJ would have nipped, but it just yeah. didn't. <laughs> no, that never happened. Never happened. Um, all right, let's talk about this new pup. What What was kind of the sign for you? Now, I know you said your dogs are, are 10 and 11. So was it just age where you're like, hey, it's time to, yeah. to pull the trigger on a puppy? Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, you know, these dogs, and it's, you know, when you look at, you know, so I'm reminded, like, when I hunted, when we hunted this year, when I'm looking at, at Gage and just covering ground, mm. just quartering, just, you know, jumping, you know, through, like, sure. CRP, yeah. 
Um, and you, and you, you know, that was for me, that was seven, eight years ago. Sure. So that's a long time, but you know, looking at your dogs from, you know, this, this, you know, progression of their hunting up here and then each year they're progressively slowing down, can't hunt as hard, can't hunt as long. Um, and then, you know, I think this, this past season, I really focused a lot on, um, pheasant knowing that potentially it could be mm. you know one of their last seasons um and i you know we didn't do a, a waterfowl lease this year sure and and i part of that was you know situational but uh even if there was an opportunity i kind of told myself hey i'm gonna pheasant hunt mm. even more this year yeah. um and that just to get them out um in in yeah i i don't know seeing them this year was kind of yeah. Okay. Kind, kind of a further. It, it hit you a little harder. Hit me hard. Yeah. I, yeah. And it was one of those two. I want to get introduce a pop to actually learn from get him, get all three Maddie. of them out there. Hopefully get them together. all together. Yeah. Because I, it, in all honesty, that's how we trained Maddie. Yeah. Was CJ? Um, we didn't send him anywhere, but you know, my wife and I every weekend were you know out at Valhalla, you know, working sure. that dog. Um, and I spent a ton of time just on my own, much like yeah, you do, and everyone, a lot of these guys them. do. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and when we got Maddie, she really just you know she was kind of kind already of following yeah. what CJ was doing. Um, and I think that really helped, you know, just with honoring points. And um, I, I will, you know, the, the the challenge thing. I never got into force fetching with them. Sure. Um, and. Actually, when I just had CJ, he was actually doing a lot better job at like retrieving. And as soon as I got, you know, Maddie, it became more of a competition to see who's going to get that bird. <laughs> and they forgot about returning it. Oh. And, and I was I was kind of in a mindset of, well, I want you to point it. Yeah. I want you to find it, and I'll run up I'll and grab, grab it. it. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, that was kind of like my sacrifice point. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really hoping that you know in June um, we're supposed to. I actually spoke with the breeder nice. um, earlier this week. And, um, you know, they've got, you know, a, a, a dog that ironically, he, um, I, I was talking about this dog that he had 10 years ago. Um, I think the dog's name is Max. It was just a beautiful dog. I remember training CJ and we were in like, it was Seen a hot Max. day and you were having a hard time getting birds up and he came out and brought Max. I was like, Hey, I, I, you know, we've, we put five birds out here. And, you know, we got three, there's two other, and boom, Max came out, boom, and just locked up. Wow. And so I referenced that um, in my conversation yeah. with him earlier this week. He's like, he's like, ironically, uh, this is, Max is one of the, like, grandparents of this litter. Oh, no way. So it was really kind of like a cool connection to that's be able cool. to. That's cool. So will this pup be out of, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll nice. have some, some lineage to, oh, to, to Max, but uh yeah, that's, I, I that's mean, great. How I was going to ask you this: How, how are you going to know? Because that's going to be a tough call. So, so your your older dogs right now. How are you going to know when it's time to, to kind of retire them from from fee, the field? <sighs> I, I know it's like a, know, that's that's a loaded tough. one. Yeah. I know. So, um, I think it'll be. Um, I, I think they'll it'll just be a known thing. Okay. It, and it could be this year. Okay. I think Maddie probably has another year okay is maddie the younger the younger one okay. yeah and and i think cj I've, i mean just notice like actually right now when he was down here yeah. going back up the steps you know, i can kind of tell his mm. hips Joey, and he, yeah. he just doesn't you know when we go out in front of the house he he used to go run and chase 
prairie dogs sure. or rabbits or whatever. Just slowing down a little and bit. And now he just kind of chills okay. and hangs out by me. So sure. I think... Um, he's using his energy wisely. He's using his energy wisely. <laughs> it, but as you've seen, these dogs is... You can run them down and then wake up that next morning and thinking like, hey, I'm going to rest him. And th- that dog is like, no way am I resting. You better not leave me in the car. You better not leave me in the car. I'm coming out. Yeah. And as soon as they hear a gunshot or smell a bird, it's game on. It's game on. You know, it's yeah. like, that's the Red Bull. Yeah. That's so, that's going to be a tough one, man, for sure. Just, yeah. Just to know. And again, you'll know when you know, but it's, yeah. they'll be well, It's, they'll it's be actually cool this year. I, I, um, I bumped into a guy in this. There was this, this huge, like, CRP field. Uh, just a huge field with a bunch of cedars in it. And, you know, I got out and was walking. And sure enough, there was another guy that was parked on another road. And we met. And he had a young pup. But he also had his old dog. Mm. And his old dog was right by him. You know, wasn't wasn't hunting. Was sure. walking with him. Okay. And we got to talking. He's like, oh, yeah, he's 11. And he's kind of retired. He just comes mm. out. And, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, he loves to, you know, oh, once sure. we get a bird, you know, smell it. And, you know, so I think I'm, I'm optimistic that. That's what maybe could do some yeah something with CJ that would yeah. be super cool yeah um, so just a couple more questions on, on while we're on the dog topic um, so with this new pup is there because you've gotten to see your your veteran dogs hunt for for 10, 11 years in in picking a new pup are there certain qualities certain attributes about this next dog that you you know you want and so talking with a breeder are, are there some things you know you want some uh, that you've learned really along the way. Yeah, good question. So I'm probably not as like educated as you are in terms of like, um, you know, like pedigree and um, I haven't, you know, placed a, a super high priority on, um, you know, obviously I want them coming out of like hunting sure. pedigrees, um, but like I wouldn't uh, not get a dog because his, the parents weren't like field trial champions, champions yeah or something that's, like that's that awesome. um for me again you know we we did everything wrong when we got cj <laughs> and you have two badass bird dogs and, and, and they turned out great yeah. so i think it's you know i think as long uh, as like the dog is it, you know is, is coming from some hunting pedigree um that you know the work you put in obviously you've you've bear, you know seen the fruits of your labor sure on the training side is early doing the training early yeah. is we like we we did like the puppy bird dog classes sure you know shooting pigeons just getting them used to you know gunshot yep. and getting them used getting to those, getting those basics wings still... and stuff like that in the mouth so um in terms of um you know what i look for like i've seen you know i've, got, I've gotten friends and i've i I can't say I've personally like done like bringing out like a wing or something and sure. you got all the puppies together and you throw a wing out and whatever dog goes and grabs it and brings it back that's the one you get sure um, I, I think all those little like you know a lot of it a lot of his training based too training based and, yeah. And, and yeah yeah and that's a great point Matt because I, I do want people to realize again whether someone's just getting into hunting they're looking to get their first bird dog it does not have to be this this field trial champion yeah. two thousand dollar dog yeah I've I've know I know guys who pay a hundred bucks for a oh, pup sure. run to the litter even and yeah. this dog has turned out to awesome be great dog. so exactly. it is don't let don't let pedigree and that deter anyone sure from from 
getting a bird get dog. A dog. Get a bird dog. Here's the point. Dog. I mean, yeah. Maddie, she was a rescue, and she's turned out to be a oh, great. She's been a, yeah, and great I would, dog. I would even say that too is like, don't be afraid to rescue a dog. Now you might run into more more challenges, um, but I think you know it, it's just going to come down to the work. It's no different than like what you were talking, you and I were talking about earlier between waterfowl hunting and upland bird hunting. Sure, it, it's the work put in. Yeah. And I'm not saying you don't put in a ton of work in waterfowl hunting because sure. you do, but like walking that extra mile at, you know, five o'clock to get that last bird yeah. is putting in that extra amount of training into a pup or into a rescue. Um, it, these dogs, it, again, if it's if it's coming, if it's a, a Brittany, if it's a pointer, it's a lab, whatever, if it's a rescue and has some hunting heritage, whether you know about that or not, you just know the breed, is you put that time and energy into training that dog and you create that bond it's you know rescue or not it's yeah. it just comes down to yeah you know, that bond you create with your dog training working in that dog is you're you're, right? you're it's they're pack animals they're gonna totally. form that bond with, yeah. with their pack leader you know, and they want to make you happy and it's yeah absolutely get a bird dog just absolutely get, get a bird dog. <laughs> just everyone get a bird dog it's the best decision right, ever yeah um all right uh let's transition into a little bit of paxton gear company sure this is super exciting um why don't you tell us a little bit about paxton gear um a little bit um why why paxton yeah. gear <laughs> So, um, I guess the idea, and, and uh, so the name, uh, Paxton, Will had the, uh, the pleasure of going to Paxton uh, for the snow goose hunt. Yeah. We were, we were hunting around there. Um, it, so, you know, um, that, is, that's is that where you name. did most of your hunting growing up? Is it just a fond place no. for you? No, okay. we uh, we did f- a little bit further south because you were around. Uh, was it Enders? Enders, um, yeah. And then uh, east of there, um, uh, Grant McCook. McCook, and, yeah, yeah. So a little yep. bit further south, okay. of where actually we did a lot of hunting growing up. But um, I guess over the past ten years, Paxton has become like a um, yeah, just a, a place that we've gone to to pheasant hunt to snow goose hunt, to duck hunt, to do a bunch of fun stuff. And, uh, you know, just the memories from that place. Um, so, you know, the, the whole idea with Paxton was, I'm a big elk hunter too. So I love elk hunting and I love gear. I'm like you, a gear <laughs> Yes. Guy. So We could start uh, a whole other podcast know, on, on gear. gear and <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, there, there was, you know, a couple days um, that I've been in the field in my pheasant hunting stuff and it's been soaking wet it's been heavy it's been hot and you know i, I kind of looked at those days in the field um and compared them to elk hunting so i do a lot of you know uh, primarily now more like archery uh elk but um a lot of you know the the cool companies the sitkas the kuyus the first light sure. they're using these awesome fabrics yeah. right that breed that stretch that you know have water repellency um so i was looking at those so here in september i'm wearing all this cool functional gear yeah. right yeah. and it's breathing it's performing it's keeping me warm it's shedding water um and then i transition into pheasant hunting in november and I'm putting on more of this, like, um, you know, like waxed cotton, canvas, 
um, heavier product. Heavy, itchy. Heavy, itchy, <laughs> doesn't breathe. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting here like, why is this? Why isn't there, you know, uh, an Upland, you know, product, pant, vest, jacket, whatever sure. it might be, that has these cool, you know, innovative fabrics. Um, so, you know, I had ta- I'd thought about this for, I'd say the past five years. It's kind of like, you know, oh, my dream would be to have my own, you know, Upland kind of company, focusing on something that I'm passionate about and love to do. Um, and sure enough, like, you know, probably a lot of companies were started in March of 2020 when <laughs> sure. like, COVID was yeah, hit yeah. hard and everyone's kind of on lockdown at home. And and I, I remember just sitting there one day and I was like, I had actually had COVID. Oh, wow. And, and nice. it was recovering. And, you know, I, I was like laid out for, I, I was ultimately laid out for like three weeks. And yeah. it was at the end of that. And I was like, man, I feel like a waste of space. I've done nothing. <laughs> and I was like, I need to like light a fire. Do something. Under my butt and get going. And yeah. sure enough, like I registered like the, the Paxton gear um, with the state that day and just started like rolling with it. So... Um, we're just definitely still in like its infancy stage. Sure. Um, you know, finding out all the like intricacies, much like you're finding out with 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 um, Upland Brits. Yeah. Like, um, you know, website design, logo design. Um, a lot so, of yeah, elements. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, stuff. of elements. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But we've got, um, you know, I've got some like blueprint sketches, um, and we're working with you know. It's a you know an obstacle around every corner. Sure, I can know, only imagine. I can only imagine. I'm kind of yeah. like watching through the window, of like <laughs> how's this gonna unfold? I'm so right. excited. Oh yeah. Um, so what? I mean, what can you share? What can people? What can people expect in the next year or two from Pax and Gear? Sure. If it, just what you can share or want to share. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, it's it, in all honesty, it's I'm not really looking to keep it super quiet. Is input is ultimately what is going to drive like creation, you know, as I was building and designing some of the pants, you know, you were part of my, you know, like uh, field survey, like expert is like, Hey, Will, what do you think of this? Like, what is something super important for you when it comes to a vest? Sure. And like, I remember distinctively, you had like, Hey, I, I need a, I got a big hand. Yeah. And if I'm wearing a glove, I need to be able to reach into my pocket and grab shells. Yeah. And, and I remember asking, well, do you use the little, um, elastic the, lo- the shell loops the shell loops yeah. and you said no they look cool they look cool but I don't I just dump yeah. them in I was like well that's what I do too yeah. I was like every one of my bird yeah. vests has that because by the time you I, uh, I time. let's just talk about <laughs> shell loops okay <laughs> the, going the first field okay sure you're going to load yeah. them up the night before you're going to yeah. put those little shells in there it looks awesome by the time you start reloading and missing birds, oh, you, there is no chance no on a chance. weekend hunt exactly. that I am reloading those shell loops. No way. Just be honest. It, yeah, ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, not going to happen. It, but it, an important part, because, you know, there's been, you know, um, having athletic dogs, you and I, and, and everyone else who does, uh, or hunts behind, a, you know, some type of bird dog, is that dog goes on point on a wild rooster and that dog's on point, you know, 50 yards in front, you are running up you, there. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> It's not like, a leisurely, like, hey, not, yeah. we'll get up there eventually. Exactly. No, yeah. you're running. Is you're running up there, and, like, the last thing you want to do is lose $25 worth of shotgun shells because they've popped Especially out of Especially these fast. days. Yeah, Especially exactly. these days. You can't get them. Yeah. So um, I think it's all the little points of, 
focusing on, you know, my, you know, 30 plus years of hunting and then talking with like a network of people who have, who've grown up hunting, who are gear nuts like yourself and just practicality of, Hey, how does this work? You know, what, what do you like about this design? What don't you, what, what, you know, I was asking you, Hey, what's your favorite jacket? Why? You know, yeah. oh, it's this because of this material, yeah. and it, it's the best jacket I've yeah. ever owned. And uh, <laughs> large, tall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> tall sizes, Matt. Tall sizes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think the goal, you know, in terms of like the next year or two, um, again, it, it, this is my first time ever doing it. So, um, our, our goal is to come out with, you know, the whole, the, the company, you know, I, I had the idea and I based it off of pants. Mm is there's been so many different times in the field where I've gotten frustrated with either my pants being, you know, just too heavy, you know, um, being wet. Yeah, getting getting, getting a burr or something poking through and poking yeah, in the leg. Like, yeah, it's just like so many things or just not lasting. Yeah. You know, well, you're buying a, buying a pair every year every or every year, other year. Yeah. And so, like, the, the my whole, like, idea was really, you know, focused around pants, but... Then as I'm like sketching out the pants and and working with like companies on like hey what type of fabrics can I use here, is you know you start thinking I say well what am I wearing for my for like a jacket, you because know, you and I know it's you're going from you can have that 70 degree day sure you know in November yeah um, and then the next day it can be you're, you're in a blizzard snowing yeah. and 10 degrees so having something that has those same the versatility aspect versatility, is, is huge because yeah. guys, breathable. I think guys yeah. are willing to they're willing to pay good money for some of these items that last. That, that that's last a key. and perform exactly. If you're gonna spend whatever on a, a jacket or pants. I'm okay doing that because I know it's gonna last exactly a long, long exactly. time and, and yeah. be versatile. Without a doubt, it's like I'm I'm in, I'm in the market right now for a new pair of like hunting boots, like elk hunting boots, and I'm looking and I'm talking to Lindsay about it and you know the price range is sure you know 400 plus dollars for a good pair of boots yeah. and she's like oh my god that's incredible and yeah. I'm like well not really my last pair I've worn uh, for 10 years I've almost put you know like a thousand miles on them yeah those, are those the Kendricks you have right now or? Uh, no I got um, it, was, it was actually the the Mindel um, Denali oh, okay. okay yeah so the Cabela's used to carry Mindel then when Bass Pro bought them they got rid of it gotcha. but and you wear those pheasant hunting too don't I you wear them pheasant hunting yeah too. So i wear my crispy crispy nevadas uninsulated okay. yeah well we're gonna I, have to talk more because that's oh yeah what i'm looking at yeah they're oh my gosh nice. zero break-in period no oh, blisters yeah. beautiful um they're expensive but I, i'm using them for i used them for elk last year uh, i use them for hiking like if i go yeah. on a hike with the family oh, I'm, I'm putting them on and then, yeah. and then pheasant hunting as well well and when you break that out you know if i just had these and these those boots were four hundred dollars we're talking 40 bucks a year for a pretty integral part sure. of... That's a huge part. That's a huge part. I mean, talk about pheasant hunting, trucker hunting, whatever bird hunting you guys are doing. You're Again, we talked about it. You're walking 10 plus, plus miles yes. a day. Yes. Talk, take that into a weekend hunt or, or a exactly. week-long trip. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if my feet are hurting or I got blisters within day one or two, I'm like, the dog's Ooh. ready to go, but I'm like... Yeah, oh, you're hurting. Crap. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great point. And I'm glad you said that because, um, you know... Being an elk hunter, much like yourself, is, you know, don't get me wrong, elk hunting is hard. You are dealing with, you know, very rugged terrain, hiking, you know, through the back country, elevation, drop, gain, etc. Um, but, you know, let's not like 
pheasant hunting is a lot of work too. Definitely. You're working where you you may not be dealing with the elevation changes, but walking through a a mile section of CR thick CRP is is not like a walk in the park, right? No. And and the CRP grass that's grabbing your feet. Grabbing your feet. And, and you oh, can't yeah. li- like you're trying to high step through this this yeah. thick stuff. It's, it's a workout. It is. So, your legs are feeling it. Yeah. So, you know, like you and I are, are big Garmin guys. I, I always look back and see like, well, hey, how many steps did I take today? Yeah. And you know, those pheasant days are right up there with with my elk days. Definitely. Again, you're not, not dealing with the elevation, not but you're dealing with the, with the mileage. Altitude. Yeah, but yeah. But you know, it's it's a lot of miles, and you know, so having whether that's boots or gear, you know, pants, etc., jackets, you know, dealing with wind and rain and snow and you know, heat, you name yeah. it, you just need like a product, boots, pants, jackets, etc., yeah. that's going to perform in a varying absolutely you know climate. speaking of gear real quick are you so you were looking at a new dog collar are you are you still deciding oh, yeah. on, on what I, you're I, doing i or? will yeah okay. I, again i'm i'm using those that dog truck yeah. system You've which has been great 10 or i've had it for 10 so years. how many yeah. dogs are <laughs> yeah. that's pretty awesome yeah that's pretty awesome but you know i think i was telling you when we were out um pheasant hunting is the range and you probably yeah that, so. that was it was giving you a little trouble give yeah. me a, yeah which yeah. becomes frustrating when you you know, and you know, shame on me. I should probably you know have my dogs a little bit better trained. But you get that wild rooster. I mean, their hearing doesn't get as good when they're, when they yeah. get older. So, and then when they're you know get on a bird mm-hmm. and that that rooster is running, oh, sure. you know, and your dog doesn't can, want to get off. They it can get is, out there, yeah. and I can't control it. That have you ever ran a GPS collar on your dogs? Or no? I haven't. No, okay. Okay. no. But I'm really curious about like yeah. your garments. It is. It is sweet. Yeah. Um, it's. It, honestly, it, for me, it's a peace of mind thing. Sure. The second layer is it, it's cool to see like how they work and yeah. how many miles, the miles they do. They yeah. Oh yeah. So so the fun factor is on the, uh, secondary for me. For me, it's a peace of mind. I, I've had some buddies' dogs run off and, yeah. and that thing. So, um, and, and Gunner, I just got him. Um, so the Garmin, they have two different size collars. They have the uh, it's the T TT fifteen standard size. It's, okay. it's a longer battery. Oh, I run okay. that one on gauge. Yeah. It's a one-inch collar strap. And in Gunner, they make a TT15 Mini. Oh, nice. Um, so Perfect. it's a little smaller for... Because he's... For a pup. He's, yeah. Well, pup or... Yeah, smaller breed, Smaller too. breed. Okay. Um, yeah. So I have that for him. Fits him great. Oh, um, nice. But it just, yeah. just gives me I remember you telling me your buddy... Uh, yeah. Losing the dog in... It was like... It's almost like an insurance policy having totally. the GPS to say, hey, I've invested X amount to buy the dog. X amount to feed yeah. the dog. I want to X bring this dog to home. Train him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because I think I referenced to you, we were out hunting once, and someone we got back, and CJ went on point at the truck, and was pointing at the truck, and you know, me and all my buddies, what is going on? And sure enough, there was a, a Vishla. There was oh, a, you told me this. a yeah, year yeah. old Vishla yeah. that you know a guy hunting a mile away, oh. they shot, and the dog took off. Jeez. Oh, and he was so scared, he was underneath my truck. Oh, wow. And so we obviously picked up the dog and started driving around sure. and found this guy. Wow. And he was like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. And I couldn't but, imagine if I lost his dog. Guys are not always that lucky, I'll say. I'll, I'll say 100%. Not yeah. always that lucky. So, no, that's yeah, cool. that's a nice yeah. insurance we, policy. Absolutely. We can, we can talk about that all. Right. <laughs> we can talk about that a lot longer. <laughs> Trust me. Um, no, it's a it's a great system. Heck yeah! All right, brother. Um, we'll wrap up here with a couple rapid fire questions. Oh boy! Um, so these are just some fun off the cuff. Um, a couple of them I'm going to ask you why behind your statements. Sure. Okay. But we're just going to kind of blaze through a couple. 
And at the end, I do want to answer a listener question. Uh, someone wrote in. Oh, okay. just yeah. I, I thought it'd be good Excellent. for you to, to answer. But yeah. Um, all right, upland hunting, waterfowl hunting, or elk hunting, oh. and why? If you had, sure. If you had to pick one. Oh gosh. I know. I know. Um. So I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I'm gonna say. Hey, hey do you set ground rules here? <laughs> I'm gonna say pheasant and elk. But I'm going to rule out elk because of dogs. Um, okay. Watching dogs be a part of the equation, for me, like we were talking probably off air before we started this um, about like pointing a hen at the end of the day yeah. and how it's worth it, is just watching dogs work. I'm totally satisfied if I don't pull the trigger, but the dog points 20 hens that day. Sure. You know, and, you, and you're not shooting, but just watching the dog quartering you know, pointing, if you got two honored point, yeah. it, that's, that the, makes it worth that, it. That if the, if I was, um, if dogs weren't part of the equation, I'd probably lean more maybe okay. towards elk and you're catching me right now is in the midst of yeah. like elk tags. Oh, totally. Yeah. Middle of the draw. And <laughs> yep, so, so yep. I've kind of transitioned no, to like elk fair. mode, but that's fair. Uh, you add that dog component. Um, and I'll also say this with, with pheasant hunting for guys getting into it, the camaraderie hmm. on a pheasant hunt you, where you're not, you know, worried about wind, scent, um, you know, kind of being off by yourself, sure. which I've kind of, we traditionally elk hunt that way. Um, you're in a truck together. You're laughing because your buddy missed a layup hunt. Yep. You know, you're staying in a, in, a, in that, you know, dive hotel, yep. going out and getting a, a steak dinner or something with your buddies sure. and having a couple beers. Like, that whole component of pheasant hunting really makes it hard to to, to top. To top, I, I, I totally yeah. agree. I totally and, agree. And I, and I love waterfowl hunting. As oh yeah, I know. And we do. Like, yeah, we've probably done more waterfowl hunting. Totally. Than yeah. In upland hunting. Yeah, I would say. And um, those have been a blast sitting in pits and, and blinds. Yeah, but it, you go pheasant hunting. You don't have to. Yeah. Wake up at three. Yeah. Set out. You know, exactly. That is a nice. A bunch of that is a very nice part about that. <laughs> Sorry, oh, that wasn't even, the most rapid answer. We didn't even talk about your your decoy trailer. Oh my gosh! Oh gosh, that's that a, yeah, that's unreal. <laughs> okay, um, solo hunt with just you and your dogs, or a group hunt with oh, a couple gosh. close friends. Man, after I just said like, <laughs> I, I, the camaraderie, I, I kind of think I know your answer, but. <laughs> um, so while while that camaraderie component is like awesome, right? To have your buddies, you know, the drive out, the excitement sure. from the planning component. Um, honestly, I'm so fortunate that part of my sales tour territory included Nebraska, and so I've had like I've been so blessed to be able to do so many solo hunts as I know you have as well. Sure. Is Getting into a field with just you and your dog is like peace on earth. Yep. If, and if, to be able to follow, truly follow the dog and not and not worry about the line exactly, that you kind of have to stay exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, you know, in, I, I don't know. I think, you know, the dogs know it too. If, <laughs> they if totally you do. Ask the dog, they totally they're do. They're like, I want to hunt with you. <laughs> you know, these guys get ahead behind. Yep. You know, this, I'm not getting whatever. nicked on yeah. the collar as much. <laughs> it's just like, but I don't know. I've, some of my absolute best hunts have been me and my dogs. That's great. You know, that's awesome. Um, okay, if not a GSP, Whew. what's your second favorite bird dog? Wow, you want me to say a Brittany? Dog. No, 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 there, there is no, <laughs> no. There uh, is. Uh, so 
what, it's funny. Yeah. My dad's buddy Gary. Uh, have you met Gary? I can't remember. Anyhow, I can't remember. He's got he's got a Brittany. Um, great dog, much like yours. In in this year hunting with you, yo, bro, I love you know watching Gage work. Sure, was just awesome. I mean, that really got me like moving. I think sure. I was looking back at my first contact with uh, with this breeder was in November. Okay, it probably it coincided sure. like, right after we hunted because sure. I was like, okay, yeah. seeing this young dog work. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, uh, at one point we, you know, we were looking at, at Vishlas, Okay. Um, just cause they're beautiful. They are, I, I they mean, are beautiful dogs. They're just a beautiful dog. And, um, I guess I've always kind of gravitated, you know, since having pointers, um, to the short hair breeds. Okay. Uh, and I'll say this only because <laughs> we took this, that golden retriever I said we had. Oh yeah. We took him out and got into like a briar patch. In oh, literally, yeah. it was like yeah. in it was an hour it's, where we were just cutting it's them a out. Nightmare. It was so tough. It can be, yes. Um, of course, since then, you know, I was like, I've I, I probably have never seen a briar patch since sure. then. But um, I, the beauty of like the short haired yeah. dog, but obviously the downfalls too. You know, if you are like working that dog into like a waterfowl system, sure. you know, where you're hunting ducks and yeah. geese, and you got to know. Chase, Kind of what what your goals are for hunting, totally, and then tail. Okay, and what dog can do can do everything? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I and I know like there's like these a lot of guys are moving towards like these pointing labs. Yeah, which is awesome. You yeah. know, to be able to have like a, a, a lab where you can do these late uh, season waterfowl hunts, water sure. retrieves. Very but very it's versatile. Also pointing yeah. and retrieving, like that's a great combo. Right. But so you're not giving me an answer here. Oh, I know. <laughs> you're not uh, giving me an answer. Gosh. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna pin you down here. Come on. I, you know, uh, I, I, I think of Vishla. I okay. think, wow. yeah, that, that surprised me. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. I think of I, I, you know, I've actually told a couple buddies, you know, who have said, "Hey, I don't want a pointer. They're too big," or, you know, my whatever. My wife wants, you know, something like this, and sure. I'm like, "Hey, take a look at this." Take dog. a look at Vishla, yeah, because they're they're a good size too. They're, they're not, a little smaller. They're yeah. like probably more like a Britney size. I would say they're more like gauge hair. size, yeah. yeah. And they, they just you know have that same athletic, yeah. big chested, yep, you athletic stance, and that's awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's that's a hard one because it's funny. Lindsay and I were my wife were were saying like, "Hey, I don't see us ever owning anything but a GSP." And sure. we probably. You yeah. should say the same exact yeah. thing. Yeah, I love right? Bert. It's, it's hard. It's like I can say, like, no, I'd only own Britney's, but there's dogs like like an English Pointer. I'm oh, very attracted sure. to Setters. Oh, yeah. I'm attracted to. Like, there's so oh, many. I know. I know. So many freaking options. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm a, I think, a, you know. That's a uh, that's a question that yeah. I well, I think it's I'll a hard just one. Always be a pointer guy though, yeah. and I you know it'd be funny to like see how your kids what they kind of ultimately what they into, gravitate right? yeah, yeah absolutely you know Jack be... when he was you know he's like Dad I, I want an English cocker yeah and I'm like what no, you're a pointer guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, buddy let's uh, let's have a talk <laughs> yeah let's do that um, all right just a couple more what gun are you carrying out into the uplands yeah so um, I, a Browning Satori over under um, a special gun it my dad it was uh, my dad's gun okay. He handed it down to me, and you know, it's one of those like I used to go back and forth between, you know, if I'm shooting, you know, like my waterfowl gun, my Benelli, um, really great, you know, at ducks and geese and stuff. I, you know, it, you know, getting in the in the upland field, I'd be like, oh, this is nice to have that extra third shot. Sure, sure. 
and you know you're just swinging it well um, over the I'd say gosh over the past two or three years I've almost exclusively shot that Benelli just to, or excuse me the the browning the brown okay um, just because it you know I don't know something about you know the traditional over mm. under kind of upland feel of the two shots and hey if I miss which I miss uh, you know that you won that one rooster yeah, yeah. and because uh, I don't think you need a plug in uh, in Nebraska for upland like oh, okay. so like because I know certain guys I've hunted with they'll yeah. load in yeah. a bunch of shells and I'm like eh, no I'm not gonna I don't yeah. need yeah something like you feel okay with just having two attempts two you, attempts if yeah. if you if you beat me on that fair enough yep we're gonna you know, we're gonna keep chasing you're gonna keep chasing we're gonna, we're gonna going. get more yeah so that's that's I like that that's guy. a cool outlook I like that I, yeah. I think I think that can get overlooked sometimes I, oh, I yeah. think. Um, even when I started out, I think I could, I was so in the mindset of limit, limit, limit. Yes. That's all I focused yes. on. And since getting the dogs now and getting more into it and learning more about upland hunting, it, it is a, it's about the chase. It's about the experience with the dogs, oh, yeah. your buddies, um, more than the limit. The limit. If I get yeah. one bird, awesome. Got one bird. Yeah. That's, that's, it's an accomplishment. Oh, sure. Yeah. The actual, like, you know, shooting the bird is such a small percentage of the total experience that you know if you focus solely on uh of like chalking up that hunt as a win or not based off limits you'd be disappointed so many times sure it's hey the dog worked great you know if you if you didn't shoot the gun at all yep got a good point pointed you know a couple hands or whatever dog worked really well today he's ranging good he was listening what like yeah those are the things that make it for sure um favorite bird species to hunt Oh, yeah, pheasant. Okay. Um, yeah, I I'll say a next. close second though has got to be quail. You know, we got into those quail this D- year. Yeah, we did. And having a pointing dog in a covey of quail, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Where that, as we know, like these wily roosters tend to start running, and um, those quail just bunker down, and it's just so fun. They, to, they hold tight. Just they I, hold I remember, tight. I, don't, I think it was with you, or maybe the weekend before. We we're in that same corner. I think you you shot a quail, and I, I couldn't see CJ because you know that that yeah. was really thick cover it over was. there, and he was in front of my dad, and I couldn't see him, and I was beeping him, and I was CJ, yeah. you know, I thought he was like pushing through, and everyone was gonna sure. flush out, and I'm like hitting him, and then I started like buzzing him, <laughs> and then <clears throat> then I hear some shots, boom, 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 and my dad's like, he was on point, he's like, I shot a quail. <laughs> You know, he's on a covey, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. He was holding that point yeah. the whole time, and I'm sitting there buzzing yeah, in. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, oh, my, I feel terrible. Yeah, I've shared this on, uh, I think, another podcast I was recording a couple of days ago. Um, the So last this past year with you was my first wild quail. Oh, sure, yeah. I've seen, experienced, yeah. it was amazing. And the first flush of the day, it was that first field we hit. It was kind of that, that real dense uh, tree row. Oh, sure, yeah. And you yelled quail. I heard shots. Your dad shot. <laughs> I feel like I just was getting my gun up, yeah, and I see these little rockets. Just oh, exactly, flying, flying. across, yeah. across the field. <laughs> they are so fun. It's it you was. know, as a kid, I can remember distinctively the first time I was like carrying a gun, in in walking through this field, and it was it was kind of a draw, and there was this hole, you know, like where the the water'd come through and just kind of eroded a bunch of stuff out, and there's a bunch of weeds and stuff, and I'm looking at this hole, and you know, just standing there as a kid, you know, the 13 years old or something, and looking, 
And I was like, okay, I'm going to step over this hole. And stepping over it, and there was a covey of maybe 15 quail in that hole. And as I was halfway over, they literally exploded out from underneath me. Wow. And it was just one of those from any time since then, like a new appreciation for like how tight those those quail hold. It's just so cool. Dang, that's awesome. That's so fun. no quail. I got very excited with the oh, quail. Oh yeah, the little quail. The, the, the quailudes. Quailudes. There was a lot of them. They this were year awesome. Too. I've spoken with multiple people. That- okay, this is perfect because this, this actually we have a listener question. Um, Joseph Matthew Waglin, maybe Joseph. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that <laughs> very wrong. Uh, but Joseph asked, "Where the hell are all the quail birds?" Um, this past season for you, maybe specifically, or even maybe years past. Um, it sounds like you're hunting Nebraska a lot. Yeah. What are you seeing in, in terms of quail numbers? I would say um, if, if I had to look at the past 10 years, um, quail in western Nebraska, um, and I'm not saying like panhandle. I'm saying, you know, basically Colorado border east to about McCook is just, you know, kind of in up to I-80 is kind of the, the area that we hunt. Um, that the numbers have increased, uh, you know, I don't have a percentage or anything like sure, that, but, sure. you know, 10 years ago, I felt, you know, we wouldn't see a ton of quail. And I know quail are a lot more susceptible to, um, you know, um, uh, pesticides, fertilizers mm. that farmers are putting out. Sure. They're, they're not as hardy as like a, yeah. a rooster. Um, and so I think they're like, uh, they're hatches, eggs. Hail gets them big time too. So, um, but I just seen like a, a, a big increase in the number. I'd say really over the past, gosh, two, three years maybe. Yeah. Um, with this last year being even better. Really? So you think um, they're they're making that? I hope a good steady. Yeah, it's you know honestly, honestly someone told me um, that that uh, the Nebraska like fishing game is is working on quail habitat and. Um, like introduction yeah. as well so nice. just managing that um, land well and yeah. trying to help them yeah get but like I, I don't know if he's asking about like where are they like in terms of cover and whatnot. yeah kind of a broad question yeah. but it's either it's either location or i took it more as like number wise sure. you know yeah i think they're increasing and and we you know we don't have quail fields you know, we have, hey, we, there's birds in this field, sure. whether that's a, a pheasant, you know, a rooster. Yeah. Are, or, are you finding pheasant and quail somewhat? Oh yeah. Okay, together? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, th- those fields, you know, I think this was actually a rougher year for for pheasant. Mm. Um, I've, I've heard that from a couple, couple You know, people. It just the numbers, you know, weren't they? Those, those same corners that, you know, we hunted uh, this year, uh, we've, we've had 40 birds pour out of those. Wow. Roosters. Yeah. You know, um, just didn't see that. We just didn't see that this year, um, and that was that was across you know multiple trips and stuff. It, I just felt like the the numbers weren't there. But yeah, we you know I think you historically kind of hey we've there's a covey of quail that has traditionally lived here, hmm. and you can go back to that. You know, I think uh, I don't feel like a quail's as nomadic. Hmm. You know, <laughs> sure, like sure. A, whatever an elk yeah, or something. Yeah. But like. You know, I, I think we've that same corner where you were talking about yeah. the quail. We've gotten quail up there every year. Sure. So okay, we, we're always hunting. You know, cover, 
and whether a rooster or a quail pops sure. out. Whatever pops up, you'll yeah. be surprised. Just totally. make sure the gun's loaded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure it's loaded. Awesome, uh, Matt. All right, last uh, closing uh, closing comments here. For anyone out there listening um, who's maybe new to upland hunting, maybe they just started it this past season, maybe they are um, looking forward to their first season here coming up. What's what's one piece of advice or, or just a general piece of advice that you would uh, you would give them who's just getting started into upland hunting? Whether it be maybe they're just focusing on pheasants, maybe they're getting into chucker, whatever it is. Sure, yeah. Uh, gosh, I would kind of maybe uh, hit on, you know, kind of things that we've talked about through this podcast of don't focus on the limit or shooting the bird. Um, like putting these goals, you know, you might be rolling out there. Most likely if you're getting started, one, you're probably not hunting like choice property, mm-hmm. right? Um, maybe you are, maybe you aren't. Sure. Um, but, you know, set that expectation of just being out in the wild and walking and just, you know, like being at peace. You're not on your phone. You're not at work. You're not on your sure. computer. You're just not enjoy the experience. Yeah. You're, all you're hearing is the wind is just like absorb that. Yeah. Um, I, I would probably also say like guys just getting into it or wanting to get into it is, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of my buddies into it over the years. Um, is go with a go with a friend who has the dog, sure. who has the land connection, who has, you know, uh, ten. C- kind of do a years. test drive with it a little bit, even. Yeah, or, or... a test drive, or just like it, that. That might make your experience that much more better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm not saying don't go out by yourself and do a solo run, sure. and you know, hey, I don't have anything going on this Saturday. I'm going out to you know, northeastern Colorado and I'm yeah. gonna chase roosters on yeah. public land, <clears throat> do it. Yeah. But have that expectation that there's probably a lot of other guys doing that same thing with dogs and whatnot. So just set your expectation. But if you do have that buddy, you know, who is the you know, has the hunting dogs, has you sure. know, whatever it might be, the experience is is Pick that guy's brain. Sure. Yeah, ask, get, ask, ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask. Show the interest in, and you'll get the call. Yeah. The guy will, hey, we're going next weekend. Sure. And, and be that guy who's just like, you know, I, I'm always telling Jackson, he's in baseball, and I'm like, hey, be the coachable guy. Hmm. You know, if if you're going with your buddy um, who's, who's this veteran hunter, has got dogs and and is work in these fields in certain ways, ask the question, why are we hunting it like this? That's such a good point. You know, because, you know, like Todd, our buddy Todd, yeah. he's like the most coachable guy because he asks so many he questions. Why really do we do does. it this way? Yeah. You know, whereas why are we working this way this in the way. field when we, I think we should be going the other that way? way. Yeah. Oh, here's why. Here's X, yeah, Y, and Z. Yeah, because the wind's blowing in our face. Yeah. Ah, I never would have thought that. Yeah. We, the dogs yeah. need to be able to smell those. Why are we starting on this end of the field? Like, all those all little nuances. Little what what yeah. about this with the dog? What does that mean when the dog, like, gets really low and, and well, yeah, it's birdie. I mean, it means he's I getting do? close. Yeah. 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 The dog goes on point, like we were talking about, 50 yards away. Do I tip tippy toe yeah. up there? Or should no, I start fixing my shoelace? No. Get your butt up to the dog. So just be like that. Just be like the sponge. Um, I'm really you can, glad you said you that. You can use, uh, you know, you can learn so much. If it's, if you take one takeaway of, yeah. you know, knocking on a farmer's door, wow, this is how you do it. Yeah. I can do that. You know, that's that's how we all learn everything, right? That's how, like, uh, snow goose, we were talking about snow goose hunting, is I remember going out with a guy 
And I was that sponge. I'd never done it. Hey, Jeff, why do we do it this way? Why do we set up the decoys? How come our blinds are here? How come we're not shooting at those geese when these geese are here? All that stuff applies to every hunting scenario. Applies to pheasant hunting of, you know, why why aren't we hunting this cover here? You know? Totally. Don't don't be afraid to ask those questions. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Dude, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. All right, brother. Um, how can people stay in touch with you? Um, what's the best way for them to contact you? Maybe if they have questions on, totally. on packing gear, want yeah. to follow you on social media. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, again, like I'm, I'm super new in this. So we're actually the website is still being built. Um, I'm working with a company now that's building it out, um, and, and that's just going to be you know paxtongear.com. Um, but you know I'm on Instagram um, at paxtongear.com nice. or at paxtongear. Um, but you can email me too. Like I love, I mean, you and I are cut of the same cloth. We yep. love talking hunting. Oh, we're, we're constantly just talking texting. to gear hunting, yep. birds, you know, <laughs> all elk, day long, whatever it is. We're, we're on an hour 42 of this, of this <laughs> podcast right oh, now. I, know, I, I feel, it. feel there are so many more, so uh, many more. things but you can, can email about. me, Matt at Paxton gear, P A X T O N gear.com. Fantastic. Yeah. So, okay. Awesome. Just man. fun talking and, yeah, this has been a blast. Well, Will. I am for sure so gonna cool. have you back on. This is uh, cool. I cannot wait to meet this this new pup in this summer. Oh, hopefully, yeah. you, that you're picking up. Yeah, uh, hopefully get him out in the field this year. Totally. Yeah, uh, you're gonna. Yeah, you'll. I mean, he'll be good age. Yeah, right? I would think so. I it could be like timing wise. Could be get him some early exposure. Yeah, what would that be? Uh, four months. Yeah, yeah, be good. yeah, around that. Because what was what's what was Gunner? Uh, uh, he was two months oh. in September when I picked him up. So, okay, so and, about this. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know if I should have did this or not. So I brought him. I picked him up. Uh, it's like September 9th, September 13th. Oh, you went on your. I drove him out. Hunt. Drove yeah. him out to, to, to Nebraska. Yeah. And he did great. It was oh, purely yeah. just along for the company. Yes. The wife didn't want a new puppy at home yes. without me there. So uh, it worked out. And, and he's actually turned in. I think because I took him on so many trips this year in the car, he's become a very well mannered dog in the kennel. Yes. In the, in good the, traveler. In the car. Good traveler. Oh, yeah. Um, so if anything, again, I didn't really hunt him at all this year, but I got him the exposure where exactly. he's a very well-mannered yeah. dog in the hotel. Yeah, the foundation. And, yeah, 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 that's great. So, so if anyone out there is getting a dog late in the season, I know everyone says get a spring puppy. Timing-wise, it works better, but um, don't be afraid to pick up oh, a dog. Oh, yeah, and get him in the field. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. That's fun. So, Matt, thank you so much Thanks for jumping on this, this podcast, and uh, we'll for sure uh, be talking a lot more. Heck, yeah. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Will. Well, that is a wrap of episode seven of the Upland Rookie Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And Matt, thank you for your time. Uh, We easily could have talked for another hour or two. That's what happens when you get people together who are passionate about bird dogs and hunting. Well, as promised, I have a giveaway announcement from Dakota 283. For the Upland Rookie listeners, you can win two items. One package, both items, one winner is going to walk away with a a Dakota 283 prize pack, I'm going to call it. Okay, so here it is. Uh, A Dine and Dash or a Dash watering system. Dine and Dash is a food and water system. And the Dash, the 3.5 is what I use, uh, is a a watering system. Holds three and a half gallons of water. Leave it in your kennel, around your house. Bring it with you on hunting trips, whatever. It's amazing. But wait, there's more. You also can win a Dakota 283 G3 medium kennel. Yes, you heard me right. An entire kennel and a Dine and Dash or Dash watering system. 
both those items, one lucky winner will walk away with or be shipped <laughs> these items to your house uh, from Dakota 283. So stay tuned in the coming weeks for specific details on how to enter this giveaway. But please, please start getting in the habit of sharing these episodes on social media. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, whatever it might be. Um, share it in your story. Um, share a little bit of what you liked about the episode. Also make a post on your Instagram um, feed, just a regular post. I would really, really appreciate it. It's going to help uh, this podcast just reach more hunters and bird dog people just like you. So again, stay tuned for more details on how to enter this giveaway. It's a G3 medium kennel from Dakota, as well as a watering dine and dash or dash system. Really excited and very thankful um, to Dakota um, for allowing me to give these away to my listeners. Well, that's it for now. Until next week, put some miles on your boots, work behind your favorite bird dog, and do something this week to help get your dog ready for season. It'll be here before we know it. Take care.